In 2016, a bit of a game-changer presidential election happened, and since then, the clashing ideologies of our, of our country have become very clear. Today's script very interestingly deals with how families deal with clashing ideologies. It's a feature script. I love it very much, and we're getting into it right after this. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unproduced Table Read here on the Popcorn Talk Network. If this is your first time tuning in, this is a show where we read Hollywood's hottest unproduced pilots and features. And today we're reading a feature I love very much called Well-Behaved Women. It's kind of an interesting circumstance with our writer, guys. Normally we feature our writer prominently with either an in-person interview or a call-in interview. But today our writer, Kevin for a number of very valid and unimportant reasons, needs to remain fairly anonymous. Um, so our writer's name is Kevin. He's wonderful. And I do have some written answers to questions I wanted to address after we do our read. Um, if you love this script, there are ways you can connect with Kevin that I'll go over after we read the script. That being said, we're reading a script about a kind of conservative female talk show host who has to deal with her daughters coming out. And as you guys know, if you listen to the show, I love dysfunctional family dramedies, so I'm really, really excited about the show. I'm not alone, though. I'm surrounded by a group of brilliant actors, and I would love for them to introduce themselves. If you guys would please say your names and who you're playing on the show today, that would be awesome. Sure. Hey, guys. I am Tara, Tara Erickson, and I will be playing Sally. Hey, guys. I'm Adrienne Snow, and I'll be playing Alyssa, Bartender, and Grace. Hey, guys. I'm Roxy Stryer, and I'll be reading for Jennifer along with a lot of other characters. And I don't know if you should keep calling us brilliant. Like, maybe set the bar lower <laughs> every single week. Or moderately intelligent actors. Yeah, but then we'll blow them away. <laughs> no, I love brilliant. You can keep I'll that. I'll keep it. Uh, <laughs> hey, how's it going, guys? My name is Danny Royce, and I'll be reading for Kenny, Ed, Nathaniel, and a host of others. Uh, hi guys, I'm Andrew Guy. Uh, today I'll be reading for Bert, which is appropriate because I already spilled coffee on my shirt and we haven't even started the show. <laughs> that is kind of Bert-like. It is Bert-like. He's getting so Bert. Yeah. So, so Bert. method right now. So method. Um, so as I mentioned, guys, I've kind of introduced the script already, but just it is, I think, relevant, especially in the world of cable news. That feels like it's become such a frustratingly important part of the media discussion around politics. And I think this script asks the really interesting question of, what are the private lives of cable news hosts like? Um, and I think it's a question that we don't consider enough with public personalities. But obviously, Kevin, who wrote this script, is very interested in that question. So I don't want to say too much more. So let's get into it. <laughs> this is a feature, guys, Well-Behaved Women, Well Behaved Women, written by a very smart writer named Kevin. And we'll be talking more about him after we read. All right. Fade in. Interior small apartment morning. The Pierce family is starting their day in their tiny apartment. Sally Pierce, the mother, is putting shoes on the youngest of her four children who are lined up by the door ready for school. They are Alyssa, 12 years old, Nathaniel, 8, Bonnie, 6, and Janie, 4. Sally's husband, Bert Pierce, sits in a sleeveless undershirt and boxers at the table, reading the want ads and drinking a beer. He's heavy, but not obese. Well, still no damn jobs. How am I supposed to make a living and move a f my family into a decent home when there's nobody, no building, no one building nothing nowhere? We'll figure it out, Bert. We always do. Sooner or later, somebody besides me will put those muscles to good use. <laughs> Bert nods with laughable confidence and flexes one of his arms without lifting his elbow from the table. Have a good day at school, kids. Learn smart stuff. Bye, Bye Daddy. Daddy. Interior Sally station wagon. Alyssa is sitting shotgun and the other three kids are sitting in the back. They listen to Sally's favorite conservative talk radio. Two men are speaking. Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, brother, liberals, they are destroying America. <laughs> Trash in the culture. Trash in the culture, that's exactly right. The values, or 
Should I say the lack of A's? <laughs> Kids are learning today. It's crazy. <laughs> totally nuts. And you know who's to blame? I mean, really, who's to blame? Who, boss? Feminist. <laughs> the bleeping feminist. Sally Notzer had an agreement. <laughs> Exterior street. Just then, a convertible, a convertible with its top down cuts the station wagon off. Interior station wagon. Sally slams on the brakes and honks angrily. Exterior street. The convertible has a bumper sticker that reads, Well-behaved women seldom make history. The cars come to a red light, and Sally jerks the wheel to pull alongside the convertible to its right. Two young punk rock women are in the convertible. Interior station wagon. Sally manually cranks her window open. Excuse me, um, you cut me off back there? Yo, if you don't want to get cut off, don't drive like a limp-dicked asshole, Betty Crocker. The women laugh and high-five. <laughs> Exterior street. The light turns green and the convertible speeds away. Interior station wagon. That was not appropriate language, kids. I don't ever want to hear you talk like that. They're obscene, those feminists. They're not going to get away with this. Sally steps on the gas. Um, uh, Mom. Mom, you're going kind of fast. It's okay, Alyssa. Mama knows what she's doing, honey. Exterior street. Sally pulls next to the convertible at a red light. Interior station wagon. You know, I've got a car full of kids here. I don't appreciate you using that language in front of them. <laughs> you didn't like my language, so you brought the brats back for another round? That's just shitty parenting, Betty. <laughs> the light turns green and the convertible peels out again. These feminists are a damn plague on society. Incensed, Sally sees a payphone, pulls her station wagon over to the side of the road, and gets out. Exterior street, Sally feeds the phone a quarter and dials. Interior, AMRC radio station recording studio. The two radio hosts are still on the air in a recording studio. We got a caller on the line. What's your name, ma'am? My name is Sally Pierce, and I have something to say about feminists. Lay it on me, sister. I was just cut off by a couple of feminists, and then they treated me very rudely. They used language in front of my children that I can't even repeat. And what's more, they had a sticker on their car that said, well-behaved women seldom make history. Well, let me tell you, I'm a God-fearing American flag-waving, military-supporting family of six, raising husband-backing, well-behaved woman. And I'm darn proud of it, too. I might not make history, but don't you dare for one second tell me I'm not important, that I'm not worth something. I'm the glue that holds this country together. And you know what? They can stick their feminist bumper sticker right up their feminist behinds. Oh, sugar. Did I just swear on the radio? Sally says, oh, sugar, the the way most of us say, oh, shit. I am so sorry. I got a little carried away. (laughs) Interior AMRC radio station recording studio. Hey, that's okay, Sally. That's okay. You know, I tell you what. A lot of our listeners are getting a little carried away too. I've seen this switch. I've seen the switchboard light up like before. A switchboard on the on the desk is lighting up, and phones are ringing. Interior AMRC radio station workroom. We see the switchboards lighting up. Hear phones ringing. We see station managers' employees answering them. Kenny, the station manager, surveys the scene. We hear some of the calls that make it through to the show. I agree with Sally. Humble homemakers like us are the reasons this country is the greatest in the world. If all American women behave like feminists, running around, sleeping with everything that moves, and spreading STDs like Halloween candy, we'd all be screwed. Sally hit the nail right on the head. Let's hear more of what she has to say. All I'm going to say is that just like Chris Rock can get away with saying some stuff about certain people that I can't, Sally said everything me and every other guy is always thinking about feminist women always. Amen. Kenny leans over to an assistant. Find her and bring her in. Montage, various. Kenny and Sally are shaking hands in the radio station. Sally is sitting on the air of the recording studio speaking into the microphone with headphones on. The switchboard is lighting up and Kenny gives her a thumbs up. We see a billboard advertising Sally's radio show. 
well-behaved women. Sally is on the air in a spirited debate with some young liberal women who are in the studio. We see the cover of a book titled Well-Behaved Women Raise Well-Behaved Kids with a picture of Sally and the four kids. Sally and her family are moving boxes into a small house. Sally is on the air looking at a picture of Barack Obama and making a face as she clearly mocks him into the microphone. We see a book fall land on top of the first book. It's titled, Well-Behaved Women Have Happy Marriages, with a picture of Sally and Bert on the cover. Sally and her family are moving into a bigger house. Sally is on the air trying some fresh-baked goods and praising them as her apron-clad in-studio guests smile, nod, and comment. More books fall on the stack. Well-behaved women throw great dinner parties with a picture of Sally holding a tray of appetizers. Then, well-behaved women are locked and loaded with a picture of Sally in camouflage clothing holding an absurdly large gun. The family's now moving boxes into a very big house. Sally and Alyssa, now seniors in high school, are on the air. Alyssa opens a college admittance envelope while Sally watches full of nerves and excitement. Alyssa looks up with wide, I got in, eyes. Sally cheers and they hug. Another book falls on the stack. Well-behaved women can do it all. With a picture of Sally flexing her arms and smiling. Cut to interior recording studio day. Sally is on the air laughing. (laughs) All right, folks. I'm signing off for the day. Have a great evening. And ladies, do me a favor. Do yourselves a favor. Behave. Fade to black. (laughs) Title, Well-Behaved Women. Fade in. Interior, Alyssa's college apartment day. Alyssa is sitting at a computer desk reading a letter. The freshly opened envelope from whence it came is laying on some textbooks and food dishes. Jennifer is sprawled out on the bed nearby, (laughs) messing around on her phone. F. What? I have to go home for a few days. Jennifer sits up and scoots to the edge of the bed. Why? To save my parents from themselves. (laughs) Alyssa hands her a letter and Jennifer reads it for a few beats. F is right. How much of that is real? Hard to say. Real enough for me to go. Can I come? Really? Yeah, why not? It's as good a time as any, right? I guess you're, you're right in the sense that there is absolutely positively no good time for this. <laughs> they laugh and kiss. Alyssa looks at Jennifer and bites her own lip nervously. What? Nothing. Alyssa? Jennifer? They have a brief stare down. Jennifer wants an answer. You can be tough on people. Oh, I see. Fundy parents finding out you like the ladies is scary, but not as scary as them meeting the scary lady you like. <laughs> Alyssa gives her a lighthearted, Bish, you know you cray, look. <laughs> I'll play nice, I promise. So, what should I pack? Don't take this the wrong way, but are the roads paved in Missouri, or will we be traveling by horse and buggy? Alyssa hits Jennifer with a pillow. Exterior, St. Louis Arch Day. We see an airplane flying, pa- flying past the St. Louis Arch. Exterior, Airport Day. We see the plane landing outside the airport. Interior, Airport Day. Alyssa and Jennifer are exiting the secured area of the airport, each wheeling a carry-on bag that will get them through a couple of days. Oh, the taxis are out this way. Something catches Jennifer's eye. She stops walking and starts laughing. You've got to be kidding me. We see a driver in a chauffeur hat holding a sign that says, Alyssa Pierce. Can't wait to see you, Alley Cat. <laughs> the girls walk over to the driver. I'm Alyssa Pierce. Alley Cat. The driver speaks with a thick Eastern European accent. You want ride? Yes, we want ride. This way, Alley Cats. <laughs> the girls follow the driver, and Alyssa shoves Jennifer playfully. Do you know the address? It's uh, 6101 Cedar Crest Circle. No, I take you to radio station. On 14th? 
Uh, no, that's okay. You can just take us to Cedar Crest Circle. The lady who pay me said to take you to a radio station, so that's where I take you. I'm excited to see a real, live, well-behaved woman in action. <laughs> Exterior city streets, day. The car drives through a sparsely populated metropolitan area. Interior car, day. No, you just don't get it. Like, seriously, it's, like, impossible to explain to you what it's like. I've seen my share of Lifetime movies. I get it. Okay, in Berkeley, your parents probably threw you a ticker tape parade. Yeah, practically. <laughs> they both laugh. There wasn't a parade, but it was like a weird badge of honor for them. Something to gloat about at their little cocktail parties. Did you hear the good news? No, not the Jesus good news. Our little Jennifer is eating muff, and we're so totally supportive. <laughs> Exterior, AMRC radio station, day. We see the car pull up. Interior, AMRC radio station, day. Kenny is chatting with Grace, the receptionist, as Alyssa and Jennifer walk into the station. Alyssa Pierce, in the flesh. What a present surprise. How's school? Hi, Kenny. Hi, Grace. Um, school's good. This is my friend, Jennifer. They exchange pleasantries. Is my mom around? Uh, she's on air. Are you going to go on? You should go on, uh, definitely. Not today. Good seeing you guys. <laughs> Ciao. Alyssa and Jennifer walk through the doors and into the hallway. As they walk down the hallway, we hear Sally's voice coming through speakers. Which is why Universal Preschool is just another liberal ploy to bring us one step closer to socialism. The girls walk through another door and into mm-hmm. the control room. Two sound techs sit at a large desk manning the control board. A half wall topped by glass to the ceiling separates them from Sally, who is on the air in the recording studio. Sally sees the girls through the glass and waves and smiles, bursting with excitement. On that note, while we're still allowed to make money and own private property in this country, I've got to pay my bills with a few ads from our amazing sponsors. I'll be back with you quicker than you can say apple pie, or at least quicker than you can bake one. (laughs) Sally hits a button and an ad begins to play. She takes her headphones off, rushes through the door, and aggressively hugs her daughter, Alyssa. My baby! You might be the oldest, but you'll always be my baby. I miss you so much. Mom. Mom. Sally pulls back and takes a long, loving look at Alyssa. My baby. And you must be Jennifer. Hi, Mrs. Pierce. So nice to meet you. Jennifer shoots at Alyssa. uh, See how nice I'm being? Look. Is it your first time in St. Louis? It is. Somehow I've managed to make it out here. Never before. (laughs) Well, it might not be as exciting as Boston, but what we lack in wow factor, we make up in solid old-fashioned folks and values. Solid, old-fashioned folks and values. <laughs> okay, okay, you little wiseacre. I get the feeling you fit right in at that school Allie convinced us to send her to. Harvard? It's basically a liberal elitist terrorist training camp. <laughs> Guilty as charged. I like a woman who calls him like she sees him. Gary, the sound tech, pops his head into the room. You're back on in 45, Sally. You two should come. Alyssa and Jennifer speak at the same time. No. Okay. <laughs> Don't be shit to stick in the mud, Allie. It'll be fun. OMG, it'll be so much fun, Allie. No. Okay, okay. Just Jennifer then. She'll be great. I can tell she's a lively one. Sally raises her eyebrows to Alyssa. Oh, fine. Oh, come on. Sally claps. Yay! Alyssa and Jennifer follow Sally into the recording studio, and the three sit down and put headphones on. Alyssa is comfortable with the process, having been on the show many times. Behave. I always do. Then you'll fit right in. Gary silently counts down from three with his fingers. After the one, he points at Sally, who flips the switch. Some intro music plays. Welcome back, folks. Or if you're just tuning in, welcome. I'm Sally Pierce, and this is Well-Behaved Women. On the show, we occasionally have on women who may not be so well-behaved. That's because, (laughs) unlike those on the left, we are interested in 
differing viewpoints and perspectives. Jennifer nods her head and feigns being impressed. Interior control room. Kenny walks into the control room and stands behind the board. Interior recording studio. Longtime listeners will recognize one of my guests, none other than my eldest daughter, the lovely and talented Alyssa Pierce. She's home from her fancy East Coast college with her friend Jennifer, who I pegged as a liberal from a mile away. Say hello, girls. Hi, guys. Hello out there at Radio Land. <laughs> okay, Alyssa, since I can never get anything out of you on the phone, maybe you'll dish it on the air. So do you have a steady boyfriend out there, or are you still scoping the lay of the land? Still scoping. Oh, really? Hmm, sounds like Jennifer is privy to some juicy intel. Don't worry, folks, after a couple of days Sally Pierce interrogation, she'll crack like an egg, or rather melt like a liberal snowflake. Nah, I'm a vault. Jennifer winks to Alyssa and Sally laughs. So far, so good. Perfect banter for her show. So here's the million-dollar question. Are you ladies behaving yourselves at college? Oh, heavens no. Go on. We're out until all hours of the night attending beer parties with co-eds and experimenting with drugs and sex while neglecting our studies and wasting our parents' hard-earned money. Well, that's certainly something. We see Kenny through the glass. He is shocked. Mom, she's kidding. Well, she's not very funny. I'm pretty funny. (laughs) No, you're pretty rude. You say tomato, I say Bloody Mary. Seriously, though, can we drink in here? (laughs) So is the college you, Alyssa, running around town, drinking and doing drugs, shacking up with a different boy every night of the week? Jennifer laughs. That's funny? Uh, Yeah, the thought of Alyssa shacking up with guys. Alyssa shoots Jennifer a pointed look. Finally, some good news. Abstinence really is the soundest policy in that department. Oh, she's not abstaining. She's just out of that game now, if you know what I mean. What are you saying? Is she pregnant? Are you pregnant? Mom, come on. Jennifer bursts out laughing. (laughs) Alyssa, seriously, are these the kind of friends you're making at school? Oh, we're not friends. (laughs) Then why are you here? Alyssa? Alyssa takes a breath and closes her eyes. She's frustrated with Jennifer essentially outing her, but she's tired of dancing around Sally's queries. She's tired of hiding. She opens her eyes with determination and exhales. Mom, Jennifer is my girlfriend. Sally doesn't get it. But she just said you're not friends. I meant we were, you know, more than friends. Sally still doesn't get it. We're dating, Mom. Oh, my word. Interior control room. Kenny throws his hands up in the air. He cannot believe what he's hearing. Interior recording studio. Mom. It's just a phase. That's all we can work through this. (laughs) It's not a phase. What about Billy Evans? My prom date? What about him? Do you ever talk to him? I mean, I wonder what he's up to. Mother. Wouldn't it be healthier to talk about this off the air? You just... Shut your pie hole, Missy. Mrs. P, we just met. I'm flattered, but I don't think I'm ready for you to mess around with my pie hole yet. Oh, my God, enough. Kenny is fuming through the glass. Alyssa covers the microphone with her hand. Seriously, wouldn't you rather talk about this later? Absolutely not. I owe everything I have to my listeners. I don't hide anything from them. Alyssa uncovers the microphone. Fine. Ask me anything. What do you want to know? Dead air. Sally can't find the words. Alyssa gives her a well look. Sally looks through the window to Kenny, who waves a wrap-it-up-already finger, and Sally holds her hand up to say, Don't worry, I got this. So, let's wrap. Just you and me and hundreds of thousands of listeners in all 50 states. What's this about? I mean, really. Is this some sort of rebellion? Are you angry with me about something? Are you trying to punish me? 
Mom, this has nothing to do with you. In fact, it couldn't possibly have any less to do with you. Doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm a conservative talk radio host. I've spent your whole life trying to expose you to the glory and truth of conservatism and Christianity. Clearly failed on both fronts. Mom, you didn't fail anything. This is just who I am. A. 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 A lesbian. (laughs) So what? You go to college, make friends with Jennifer, find out she's a lesbian, and decide you're one too? (laughs) Would you jump off a bridge if she did? I'm actually bi, but it's cool. Bi? Bisexual, like like girls and dudes. Oh, maybe Alyssa is that too. (laughs) Alyssa? Nope. Are you sure? Yes. Sure you're sure? Why does it matter? Because if you could admit you're bisexual, then we can call the girl thing what it is. A phase. (laughs) It's clearly what it is for Jennifer. Even if I were to buy into your bizarre logical jujitsu here, how do you know the guy part isn't the phase for me and the girl part isn't the real part? Because that makes no sense. Of course, the abomination part isn't the real part. Oh, right. I forgot about the abomination part. You're ace in the hole. I can't compete with that. I hope that I can get Manny Petties in hell. <laughs> well, newsflash, you can't. Alyssa, have you lost your faith? No, and I'm pretty certain Christ would, won't deny me based on whom I love. Oh, my. Oh, my, indeed. <laughs> Through the glass, Kenny makes a end it motion with his hand towards his neck. I was speaking in general terms. We're not there yet. But, Mom, you have to understand, I'm the same old me. This doesn't change anything. You're probably the president of the Young Democrats. No, I'm still a card-carrying, small-government, conservative libertarian. As such, I happen to think the government should stay out of my bedroom. That's where it starts. First, we're all supposed to mind our own beeswax to turn a blind eye to the rampant sin infecting our country as if Sodom and Gomorrah weren't warming enough. And then everyone wonders why society's crumbling and the divorce rate is through the roof with that rampant infidelity and... How's your marriage, Sally? Excuse me? I was just wondering how your biblical hetero marriage is going. (laughs) My marriage is fine, thank you. You sure about that, Sal Sal? (laughs) Sally looks at Alyssa for an answer. Alyssa quickly looks away. You betcha. Well, looks like it's time for another quick break. And then final thoughts for the day. Thanks for listening, and I'll keep you posted on the misadventures of my daughter, Alyssa. What can I say? Life is messy, folks. Sally hits a button and Kenny rushes in as she takes off her headphones. What the hell was that? We hear phones ringing and we see a switchboard lighting up. Perfect. Just perfect. Those are not going to be happy calls. Relax, Kenny. It'll blow over. We're a conservative radio station. What do you think was going to happen? Or do you think at all? I mean, were we going to talk to her out of it in real time? If you go for two after a touchdown, you damn sure better convert. Sorry, I'm not a baseball fan. Can you explain that last part? (laughs) You are on thin ice, Sally. Fix this. Kenny, I am your biggest star. My fans are loyal, and they stand by me through thick and thin. You'll see. You don't get special treatment. Fix it. Sally looks at him with subtle disgust. If you'll excuse me, I need to finish this show and get home. Alyssa, I'll meet you at the car in five minutes. Alyssa and Jennifer walk out. Sally is pissed. Special (laughs) treatment? You've got some nerve. In front of my daughter? I was implying anything. I wasn't implying anything. I was responding to your biggest star nonsense. Fine. I'm sorry, okay? Look, I I need to get back on. I'll I'll clean this up. Kenny feels that he's been adequately placated. (sighs) Good. That's my girl. 
Exterior, AMRC Radio Station Day. Alyssa has just walked out of the station. She walks for a few beats before the door opens behind her and Jennifer emerges. Alyssa is walking fast and Jennifer is trying to catch up. We slow down? Where's the fire? Alyssa ignores her. Jennifer hustles to catch up and pulls and pulls Eve into her. Come on, seriously? You're pissed? Still ignoring. What, are you just going to ignore me forever? Alyssa stops abruptly. That was not cool, okay? Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I, I am. You can't just stroll in here and blow my whole life up. You can't, okay? Got it. No, you don't got it, because you already did it. What do I need to say here to make this better? Just give me a minute. Of course. Jennifer waits a couple of beats. Felt pretty good, though, didn't it? Alyssa sighs. It did feel kind of good. Oh, you're such a jerk. It did feel good, though. It's a relief to have it over with. Like a motherfucking Band-Aid. <laughs> Jennifer pretends to dramatically remove a Band-Aid from her arm. Pulled that shit right off. Alyssa chuckles. Interior Pierce House Day. Sally, Alyssa, and Jennifer walk into the house. Please go get your father from his workshop so we can all talk about this. Alyssa and Jennifer open and walk through a door and into Bert's workshop. <clears throat> Bert's workshop is ridiculously big. Industrial-grade tools are everywhere. Big drills, saws, hydraulic pumps, etc. You can pretty much build anything with this equipment. We hear rock and roll music playing faintly, but getting louder as the girls walk through the shop. Wow, so your dad works on some pretty big projects, huh? They round the corner and see Bert. He's smoking a cigarette and playing air guitar with a beer in one hand. He's dressed in coveralls and has safety glasses on his head as if he were working in a factory. He puts the beer down and attaches the legs to a plastic flamingo. They snap right on. He puts it on the ground next to a dozen more. As he picks up his beer again, he sees the girls. Alicat! Bert gives her bear a hug. Get Bert gives her a bear hug. <laughs> she warmly hugs him back. Come on over, I'm a hugger. Bert gives Jennifer an awkward, unreciprocated hug. Well, that was weird. <laughs> like you. We're getting along just fine. So you're the famous Jen, huh? I'm actually Jennifer, Bert. Oh, well, it's actually Bartholomew, Jennifer. Really? <laughs> oh, no, not really. Like, I got you good, though. You should have seen the look on your face. What a card you are. I got your letter. Bert's happy-go-lucky demeanor immediately changes. It's as if a weight has been placed around his neck. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that that's not why you came in, is it? Uh, listen, it's it's no big deal. Look, what I wrote in that letter, I was just having a crappy day, honey. A crappy day? Dad, you said you were thinking about killing yourself. <laughs> oh, did I say that in there? Uh, I, I'm not going to do that. It, it's harder than it sounds. You've tried? It, define try. Sally walks into the frame. What's taking so long? Try what? Guacamole. <clears throat> I, I really want to try it, but I, I'm scared because, you know, I don't like to eat uh, green foods. Bert. Jennifer rolls her eyes. Did you just roll your eyes at my husband in his own home? How dare you, young lady? I see why you thought about trying guacamole. Anything to get out of this enchilada. <laughs> I said, I knew I liked you. Bert, stop. Not even going to begin to try to understand what the H-E double hockey stick you all are talking about. Did you hear the show today? You know I never miss it, baby. And... And what? Well, do you have any thoughts about it? An awkward silence <laughs> falls. Bert realizes something is amiss and looks up to Alyssa and Jennifer, who both hold their hands up as if to say, Well? well one of your best. Really, really nailed it today, honey. Great A material. Son of a gun, Bert. You don't have to lie to me. Just be honest and tell me you didn't listen to the darn show. Sorry, hon. I just got I got real busy in here. You were too busy snapping your little lawn decorations together to listen to the show? Couldn't you have used some of this machinery you spent a small fortune on to make it go quicker? 
come, come on, honey, don't be that way. I mean, you know flea market season's right around the corner, and I have to be ready to keep up with demand. Has that been an issue in the past? Well, no, but I, I'd hate to find myself in a hole trying to play catch-up. <laughs> fine, Bert, fine, whatever. Did your daughter tell you what's going on? Um, did, did she tell you? Yes. Don't you have anything to say about it? Bert takes a deep breath and sulks his shoulders. I just, you know, I, I had a few too many drinks, and I don't know, I, I shouldn't have sent it. Sent what? <laughs> Bert, what in the world are you talking about? I swear to God, I feel like I need a flipping translator to understand what you're saying to me half the time. You know what, Sally? I, I'm sorry, but I meant it. Every word of it. You walk all over me, you treat me like a child, you don't respect my work, and, and you're just plain mean. You know what else? I know about Kenny. Oh, yeah, yep, I know it all. Sally is completely stunned. Bert, I, I, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I have no idea what you're talking about. Kenny? You go ask your translator. Bert storms out of the workshop. <clears throat> Sally looks at Alyssa, utterly confused. What just happened? Alyssa opens up her purse, pulls out the letter from earlier, and hands it to Sally. Dear Alley Cat, hope college is great and you're learning lots of smart stuff. Wish I went to college. Sounds like a lot of fun, especially frat parties and all that. Did you ever see Animal House? I think I'm going to leave your mother. She treats me like I'm retarded and she makes me feel useless. Also, I'm pretty sure she's cheating on me with Kenny at the station. Fucking Kenny. I know, right? Weasley little prick. I don't know. Maybe I think I'll just kill myself. Not really. I think love Dad. Sally finishes reading but continues to stare at the letter for a few beats. She then looks to Alyssa. How could you not tell me about this? I was going to... I mean, that's why I'm here. I wanted to talk to Dad first. I just... I definitely didn't plan on it going down like this. I'm really sorry, Mom. It's fine. Your brother and sisters will be home soon, and we're all going to go out to dinner. I'll go put fresh sheets on the bed in the guest room, and you can bring Jennifer's bag up there. I'd assume she would be staying in your room. That plan has obviously changed. Is it true? There are towels for both of you in the bathroom if you want to shower separately before dinner. Sally walks out of the shop. So, that's it. She's just gonna ignore it. They both are. Welcome to the Midwest. (laughs) Interior Applebee's restaurant night. The Pierce family and Jennifer sit at a table eating. The walls are adorned with gaudy Americana paraphernalia. Nathaniel's now 14, Bonnie is 12, and Janie is 10. Y'all have uh, Applebee's back in the Bay, Jen? Of course they have Applebee's in the Bay Area, Dad. But Jennifer probably frequents more sophisticated establishments. Am I right? Is he always this weird? <laughs> Only when he's infatuated. Shut up, Alyssa. I was just trying to be nice. You should show her your collection of Ronald Reagan trading cards. That'll get her weak in the knees. <laughs> they are limited edition. Commemorative campaign buttons from 80 and 84. And they're collector's items. You know what? <coughs> Never mind. I don't know why I even bother with you. Think you're so smart now because you go to Harvard. You're a regular old Kennedy, aren't you? Just wait until I take the SAT. I'm going to make you look dumber than a mainstream media tried to make Dan Quayle look. I'm going <laughs> to score so high they'll retire the test. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to. Nathaniel, gonna... sweetie, take a breath. It's okay. You're very smart and we're all very proud of you. Right, Alyssa? Alyssa pauses, prepared to make a snide comment. Right, Alyssa? All right, Mom. 
Things have gotten awkward. They sit in it for just a moment. Then it's good old reliable Bert, the family jester, to the rescue. Uh, say, Bonnie, Janie, I learned something the other day that you might think is pretty cool. The girls smile at each other. Dad's the best. What is it, Daddy? If you sprinkle a little bit of salt on butter, there's a chemical reaction and it creates heat. The girls are skeptical. Come on, try it. Bonnie opens her rectangular butter pocket and Janie sprinkles salt onto the butter. Well, can you feel it? Bonnie cautiously hovers her hand over the butter. Suddenly, Bert reaches over and pushes her palm into the butter. Everyone laughs, including Bonnie. Bert starts laughing, but everyone else continues. <coughs> Come on now, it wasn't that funny. That. As Alyssa points, we see that the front of Bert's shirt is covered in red pasta sauce from leaning across the table. Ah, son of a biscuit. <laughs> oh my god, he said son of a biscuit. They all laugh more as Bert frantically dips a napkin into his glass and accidentally spills water on his own lap and coffee on his own shirt. Mm. Interior Applebee's restaurant night. Things have calmed down and the gang is eating dessert. Which is why, had your mother let me invest in apple stock when I wanted to, we'd be rolling in crazy dough. I'm talking apple dough. That's sweet. Sweet apple dough. Bert, the stock was already at $700 a share when you wanted to invest in it. Did it go up after that? Yes, but... Did it go up after that? Yes, it went (laughs) up a bit. I rest my case. Something catches Sally's eye off screen. Oh my goodness, is that... Yes, it is. Everyone turns to see who she's looking at. Billy! Billy! Over here! Alyssa's prom date. Billy Evans, a good-looking, broad-shouldered, typical frat boy, is walking with several other fratty-looking dudes. He turns, waves to the table, and says something to the other guys. They head out, and he walks over to the Pierce table. Hey, everybody. Thanks for getting my attention, Sally. Hey, Ellie. You're at Harvard, right? Yeah, just in town for a couple of days. Cool, cool. <laughs> hey, uh, we're in town from state for an ultimate frisbee competition. Nice. Oh, hey, this is my friend from school, Jennifer. Jennifer rolls her eyes at Alyssa. Friend? So you're the famous Billy Evans. My, aren't we fratty looking? <laughs> well, I am the president of my fraternity, Chai Spy. President of your fraternity, huh? As a freshman, how about that? Sally gives Alyssa a how about that look. Alyssa is a teenage mixture of embarrassed and pissed off. Y- y'all pretty par- party pretty hard over there at the frat house, huh? <laughs> it's not bad, Bert. It's not bad. Uh, lots of girls. Oh, yeah. Cakes? Hella cakes. <laughs> Beer pong? Every day. Man, oh, man. For Pete's <laughs> sake, close your mouth, Bert. You're drooling all over the table. Well, it was great seeing you all. I'm going to go catch up with the guys, all right? Why don't you walk him out, Allie? Ugh, you're weirding everybody out. He doesn't want me to walk him out. Billy? <laughs> sure. Why not? Alyssa gets up from the table. Be back in a minute. Exterior, Applebee's restaurant night. Billy and Alyssa walk out mid-conversation. I don't believe you. <laughs> I swear to God. Tim Murphy. I'm telling you. He's like the most popular kid on campus. It's crazy. Well, good for Tim. Sometimes the underdog wins in life. <laughs> so what's up, Allie? What do you mean? I mean, I heard you came out. Is she your girlfriend? Alyssa is uncomfortable. Despite the radio show upheaval, she's still in the process of figuring out how she wants to come out and is still trying to do it on her own terms. Her discomfort turns to a slight anger. That was rude. I, I wasn't trying to... Wait, what is this, your big confrontation? I, Allie, I... What I, are you going to go and, and laugh about me with your frat buddies? The girl who was super bad at fooling around after prom and now it turns out she's gay? You want to know if, if, if that's why that night was so awkward? If I already knew then? I'm sorry, all right? You're, you're right. Uh, I was too forward, and it was rude. 
Alyssa considers him. He seems sincere enough. Thank you. Look, I wasn't trying to get into your shit. I was just surprised you introduced her as your friend, you know, and she seemed surprised too. It's just that, look, you don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not when you're back here, you know? Like, seriously, fuck that. And fuck anybody that can't accept it. Alyssa is stunned. What? Did I say something wrong? <laughs> Did I say the wrong thing again? No, that was really nice of you. I appreciate that. No problem. It's the least I can do. I'm not proud of the way I used to talk in high school, you know, calling people fags and saying stuff was gay. I didn't mean any of it, but it was still real shitty. Everybody did, Billy. I did, too, and I'm not proud of it either. Well, listen, if you ever need anything, okay, here or out east, you call me, all right? Yeah, thanks, Billy. I will. Alyssa kisses him on the cheek. She turns for the restaurant, and he takes a step towards the parking lot before turning back to her. Oh, and uh, Alyssa. Yeah? I never hung the prom night awkwardness on you. When I said I, was, I had already been with four girls, I might have inflated that number by four girls. <laughs> <laughs> they both laugh. Interior, Alyssa's room night. Alyssa is sitting at her desk studying. We hear a knock at the door. Yeah. It's mom. Can I come in? It's open. Sally comes in and stands by the desk. Did you get Jennifer settled into the guest room? Yes. Is she comfortable? Do you care? Allie, she's a guest in my home. Of course I care. Sorry, yes. She said she was going to pass out, exhausted from traveling. Thanks for setting up the room for her. Of course. They sit in silence, and Alyssa taps her pencil. May I ask you a favor? Sure. Please refrain from any hanky-panky with Jennifer while you're here. (sighs) Mom. All I ask is that you show me a modicum of respect while you're under my roof. You can do whatever you want when you're back at school, and you obviously do. Would you say the same thing if it was Billy in the other room? You know, I would. You might think I'm some sort of maniacal, hypocritical hate monger, but this is not about your whatever it is you're doing. It's about premarital relations, which I will not abide in my home, gay or straight. You can bet you're behind on that one. Fine. Yes, of course. Gross, really. I wouldn't even think about it. Good. I'm glad we got that out of the way. More silence, more pencil tapping from Alyssa. Sally walks over to her bed and sits down. May I ask you something? Another favor? No. (coughs) Then what? Why? Why what? You know. I love that. Alyssa thinks for a moment how to explain this to her repressed mother. She decides that R-rated honesty is the only way. After all, she asked. It's like... You know how having an orgasm is totally different when you're by yourself than when you're with a man? I, yes, yes, I know that. Alyssa looks skeptically at Sally. What? You asked if I knew, and yes, I know about the different kinds of orgasms. (laughs) Why are you being weird? Well, excuse me if orgasm talk with my daughter makes me a little uncomfortable. Alyssa studies Sally's face. You've never had one, have you? Oh, my goodness, you poor thing. Of of course I have. I'm a grown woman. Describe it. Describe what? Describe what an orgasm feels like. Oh, that's easy. It feels like... Come on, this is stupid. We both know what it feels like. (laughs) Okay, well, then go on and describe it. Well, it's kind of like 
you know that feeling when you're checking out at the grocery store and you remember you clipped a coupon from the Sunday paper, but you know you forgot to put it in your purse because you always forget to put it in your purse. And you open your purse to check, and then, yes, there it is. <laughs> You've never had an orgasm. Okay, okay. You caught me. I've never had one. Happy? So what? How is that even possible? You've never even given yourself one? It's a sin, too. You know, monkeying around down there. Well, what about sex? Well, your father is the only man I've ever been with. What about Kenny? Don't go there. Fine, but you've clearly been with Dad at least four times. Your father is very efficient. (laughs) What does that mean? Like, you got pregnant whenever you tried? (laughs) No, I mean, he just, he doesn't last very long. Oh, you're talking about premature ejaculation. Sally makes a face. Mom, it's a clinical condition, not a dirty word. Well, I don't like talking to you about this. It's no cakewalk for me either, believe me. So that's it? You and Dad just... We stopped being intimate a long time ago. Alyssa walks over to the bed, sits down, and hugs Sally. Sally's body stiffens as she begins to ask why, before she reconsiders and she accepts the hug. Interior guest room day. It's morning. Alyssa and Jennifer are talking in the guest room. Alyssa is dressed. Jennifer is still in her pajamas in bed. Oh my god, how is that even possible? That's what I said, but it's not (laughs) funny. Can you imagine going through your life like that? Sexually repressed and with a giant stick up my ass? No. Actually, scratch that. No giant stick of the ass. That could cause an incidental orgasm. <laughs> Jennifer laughs again. Come on. She's a sweet woman. She doesn't deserve this. No woman does. <laughs> Jennifer laughs more. What are you laughing about? Um, sorry, sorry. Just picturing your dad. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, oh no. Dang it. I've done it again. Sorry, oh, God. So, so gross. Well, at least we're on the same page about something. You sure you don't want to come with me today? Bish, please. I'm on vacation. Going back to bed. Good luck with Project Marriage Resurrection. Interior Sally's SUV day. Sally drives, Alyssa sits shotgun, and Janie and Bonnie are in seats in the middle. Nathaniel's in a seat in the back. Nathaniel's wearing a button-down shirt, tie, and sports jacket. Exterior elementary school. The SUV pulls up to the curb. Interior SUV. Janie collects her things and gives Sally a kiss on the cheek. Bye, Mommy. Bye, sweetie. Janie hops out. Exterior middle school. The SUV pulls up. Interior SUV. Thanks, Mom. I love you. Love you too, sweetheart. Bonnie hops out. Exterior high school. The SUV idles in front of the high school. Kids stream by on their way into school, casually dressed. Do you have a debate tournament today or something? Nathaniel is climbing forward in the car. No. I dress for success. It looks like you dress (laughs) to be friendless. Nathaniel opens the door. I don't want to be friends with these urchins. They'll be clamoring for my approval at our 10-year reunion. Why would you go to your reunion if you hate everyone? To make them all feel how small and significant they are. Bye, Mom. Nathaniel hops out. Bye, honey. Have a good day. Nathaniel closes the door. Sally and Alyssa look at each other, smile, and roll their eyes. Exterior high school, the SUV pulls away. (coughs) Interior AMRC radio station, day. Sally and Alyssa walk in, and Grace waves to them from the the reception desk. She's talking on the phone via a headset. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. No, yes, of course, I understand. Uh, We all agree with you here at the station. Sally should have warned listeners that sexually explicit material was coming up. Alyssa shakes her head, thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I'm so sorry your son hurt the segment. Yes. Yes, that's why she apologized at the end of the show. 
Is she going to apologize again today? <laughs> Grace looks at Sally, who shakes her head, no. I don't think... Kenny hustles into the room and gives an empathetic yes nod. Grace nods back, and Sally throws up her heads in annoyance. Yes, she's going to apologize again on the show today. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, hold on one second. Let me check it. Grace covers the microphone of her headset. At which point of the show are you going to apologize? <laughs> the beginning, I guess. Great. Good. Good idea. Oh. Ma'am? Yeah, she's going to apologize at the beginning of the show. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, have a great day, and thanks for listening. Bye-bye now. <laughs> they just keep calling. Sally, may I have a word with you in my office? I've got to get ready for my show, Kenny. I just found out I have to change my open. Okay, fine. Fine. Then later. Also, just so we're clear... Kenny gestures with his hand toward Alyssa. She's not coming on the show today. Jeez Louise, Kenny. I get it. Interior Pierce House Kitchen Day. Jennifer walks into the kitchen still in her pajamas. She sees a beautiful spread of food prepared for her. Eggs and bacon in a covered dish, homemade waffles, fresh fruit, yogurt, a pitcher of orange juice, and a thermos of coffee. She picks up a card written in flowery cursive handwriting, which reads, Top of the morning to you. Hope you rested comfortably. Please make yourself at home from Sally. Jesus, this woman really can do it all. Interior Pierce House Kitchen Day. Jennifer, still in her pajamas, is eating breakfast while watching a morning talk show on television. Bert walks in wearing his coveralls. Morning. What's up? You didn't go with the gang? It would appear I did not. Nothing left to say. They sit in silence for a moment, and Jennifer continues eating. Well, uh, I'm going to head to the bar. You want to come? It's 1030. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm running late. They're probably worried sick about me. <laughs> Jennifer laughs. <laughs> okay, give me five minutes. Interior recording studio day. Sally wraps up her apology. And again, to any listeners who were offended, I am deeply sorry. When I go on the air, especially with guests, I never know what's going to happen. I like to think that spirit of spontaneous what won so many of you over and keeps you tuning in. This time, I should have thought it through first. Now, I'll put this thing to rest with one final thought. I love my daughter. I love all my kids. Any phase or fad they're going through doesn't change that. I don't stop loving them or love them any less. Alyssa is studying at a table. She rolls her eyes at the phase, but she appreciates the general sentiment. They smile at one another when Sally finishes. Exterior street day. Bert's red convertible, adorned with a big dragon and a flames decal, drives down the street. Interior Bert's Corvette day. Jennifer turns the radio on, and we hear the end of Sally's open. I love my daughter. I love all of my kids. Any phase or fad they are going through doesn't change that. I don't stop loving them or love them any less. Mm, that was actually kind of sweet. She's a sweet lady. Now, on with the show. This is a topic I've spoken about many times in the past week, but we have to keep the pressure on. <clears throat> Congress must immediately pass Senator Davidson's proposed bill limiting unemployment benefits to six months. That should be more than enough time to find work. Anything longer than that just promotes laziness and encourages people to live off the taxpayer's dime. Jennifer changes the station to rock music and turns it up. Not that sweet. Hit the gas, Bert. I know how you like to do things fast. You got that right. Exterior street day. The car accelerates down the road. Woohoo! Interior bar day. Bert and Jennifer walk into a dive bar. There are a dozen guys inside playing pool at a couple tables, throwing darts, and sitting at the bar. One of the dart throwers, Ed, addresses Bert. Bert, my man. How we doing today, Ed? Say, man, you got your wife's car parked outside? The Corvette's mine. You know that. Yeah? I wondered, though. Whose name is on the receipt? Mine. <laughs> and hers. We got a joint account, damn it. The bar breaks mm. out in laughter. <laughs> she let you put your name on the account. Oh, buddy. 
You're wearing them pants now, let me tell you. Asshole. Bert and Jennifer grab stools at the bar. What do the lady have? What? A Cosmo, beer and whiskey, sweetheart. Okay, then. A Woodford Reserve, neat. And if you call me sweetheart again, you're not going to walk out of here with both balls intact. The bar goes wild, hooting and hollering and laughing. Fair enough. Bert, what'll it be? <laughs> I guess I'll do the same. And a bud with it. Interior recording studio day. Sally's on the air talking to a caller named Denise. Alyssa is still studying and listening. And I don't know. I just think that maybe I need to go out and, and get a job. He doesn't want me to, of course, and it kill his pride. But we're stretched so thin financially. How do you think that would make him feel? Oh, he'd be popping mad and embarrassed, but... I think he'd get over it. Denise, I think you hit the nail on the issue on the head. Not so much that he'd be mad. We all get mad sometimes, and you're right. We do get over it. But you said he'd be embarrassed, that his pride would be hurt. But he'd get over that too, right? Listen, I don't know your husband, but I do know men. Beneath their rough exteriors, they're delicate little flowers. Denise laughs. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm serious. Men are... Very fragile emotionally, and that vulnerability is a part of what makes them the traditional male-female marital unit work. Sally looks pointedly at Alyssa. Please. The beauty of the male-female bond, among other things, is that we have an indispensable job. For a marriage to work, the man has to feel like a king. Like a king? That's right. The Bible teaching, and it's true today as it was when it was written. Now, I don't mean that women should be subservient or allow themselves to be physically abused. Please don't get the wrong idea. But we must know our men. We must study their needs, wants, and fears until we know what drives them better than they do. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying women shouldn't work. I'd be a hypocrite if I said that. But then you tell me that your husband doesn't want you working, that it embarrass him if you did, that it injures pride. Well, Denise, I got to tell you, no amount of money is worth doing that kind of damage to your marriage. All righty. Thanks for the call, Denise. I'm Sally Pierce, and well-behaved women will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Sally flips the switch, and as we begin to play, she takes her headphones off. Well, that was terrible advice. Mm-hmm. Treatment men like kings? Come on, Mom. Yeah, it's good advice, and it's the reality of what the male psyche needs. It's bullshit. Honey, I know you have your views on traditional relationships, and I'm trying my best to be respectful, but stay in your own lane. This is my show. Yeah, your show is bullshit. Excuse me? I have worked my rear off. Exactly. To- you have worked your ass off to build this, all of it. You're not a well-behaved woman. You don't sit at home and cut the crust off your husband's sandwiches. You get out there and you assert yourself in the world. You left your mark. And you should be telling your friends to do the same. You owe them that much. And what did all that get me? Why are you here, Alyssa? Oh, right, because my marriage has fallen apart. I'll tell you what a BS. Sally picks up a copy of her new book we saw earlier titled Well-Behaved Women Can Do It All. This is. I can't do it all. No woman can. I chose ambition over family. And I emasculated your father in the process. Sure, I've made a few bucks, but what do I have? What do I really have? My husband doesn't... He doesn't love me anymore. He despises me. Not only did I not give him what he needs, I took it away from him. Alyssa grabs her and hugs her. Of course he still loves you. No, no, no. I've been so cruel. Gary pops his head in from the control room. Uh, Sally, I'm sorry to interrupt... We're back on in 45. Do you want me to to play some more ads? 
We see Kenny through the glass as he walks into the control room and surveys the scene. He looks concerned, but more annoyed. Yes, please. No, Gary, that won't be necessary. I'm a professional. I can do it. Sally gets herself settled into the chair and puts her headphones back on. Gary silently counts her down. Intro music plays. And we're back. Our phone lines are open, and I want you to hear what you think about Senator Davidson's bill to put a reasonable six-month limit on unemployment benefits. 555-4545. Give me a call. Interior bar day. Jennifer and Bert sit at the bar facing, facing each other. They're a little drunk. She has her palms up, and his hands hover above, up and down. Uh, she has her palms up and his hands hover above, palms down. She rotates her wrists. She rotates her wrists. He tries to pull them away, but not quickly enough. She successfully slaps his hands. Damn it! Drink. I thought you were supposed to be quick. Bert takes a shot. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Just something I heard. <laughs> she puts her hands out again, and he hovers his above again. She begins to rotate her wrists, and he flinches. You flinched. Drink. Son of a bitch. Here, I'll just have one with you for solidarity. They click glasses and drink. She puts down her glass and puts her hands out again. Here we go. Here we go. Come on, Pierce. You got this cat like me fucking out. <laughs> Jennifer rotates her wrists and slaps his hands before he can pull away. Fuck me in the face. Nope, not fast. False advertising. Okay, you know, enough already. What's with the fast stuff, sweetie? It's nothing. No, no, you've been on about it all day. Fine. Heard from a little birdie that you are... Jennifer leans toward Bert and he reciprocates. A premature ejaculator. Bert's eyes go wide with terror and his face seems to lose a couple of shades of color. Who told you that? Oh, you know. But why? Ladies talk, Bert. We talk. This is humiliating. Sure it is. Can I give you some free advice, though? Fine. You should be less worried about me knowing about your little extages problem and more worried about your wife never orgasming. That's what she said? Yep. Never? Never. Well, but there was this one time in Cabo. We, we were down no, there. No, Bert, and I... never. <laughs> so what am I supposed to do? I can't help it. Gotta try something. Numbing? Zen relaxation techniques, tie a rubber band around your balls, nothing else, bang a whore until you get it figured out. (laughs) Cheating for a good cause is way better than subjecting a woman to decades of an orgasmless marriage. Wait, what did you you say? Jennifer leans closer to he... Jennifer leans closer so he can hear her. I said, bang a dirty whore if you have to. Bert quickly leans forward and kisses her. She doesn't reciprocate, but she also doesn't pull away. She just stares straight ahead. Man, did you misread that situation. (laughs) Don't tell on me. So you thought I was referring to myself as a dirty whore. Wow. No, please don't tell. How about we play it like this? I won't tell your family that you tried to cram your creepy old man tongue down my throat. And you won't tell Alyssa that I took that guy who's been making eyes at me into the bathroom and fucked his brains out. Jennifer stands up. What? Jennifer walks over to a guy at the end of the bar. She says something inaudible to him, takes his hand, stands him up, and starts to lead him to the bathroom. She is pure evil. (laughs) Interior recording studio day. The show is over for the day. Alyssa is packing her study materials in her backpack, and Sally is straightening up, preparing to leave. They walk through the control room and out the door. Interior reception area. They walk past Grace. See you tomorrow, Grace. Have a good afternoon, ladies. Grace's phone rings. Hello? Okay. Uh, She's just leaving. Oh, okay. Kenny uh, wants you to stop by his office before you go. Sally hands Alyssa the car keys. Wait for me in the car. Mom, we're on the way out and you've had a hard day. Just talk to him tomorrow. 
He's my boss, Alyssa. He'll get over it. Sally walks away, leaving Alyssa frustrated. <coughs> Can you believe this? I think you ought to wait in the car like your mother asked. Interior Sally's SUV day. Alyssa's waiting in the car. Sally opens the door and sits in the driver's seat. May I have the keys? No more lies. Excuse me? If you're going to make me sit in the car while you cheat on Dad, at least have the decency to be honest about it. I asked you to stay out of this. You can't even bring yourself to deny it. I'm not having an affair with Kenny, okay? Then what the hell is going on? It's complicated. Are you having an emotional affair with him? Ha! God, no. Then what is it? Kenny is a man with peculiar tendencies. Such as? Sally sighs. Well... For example, today, when I went into his office, he was sitting behind his desk wearing only a leather dog collar. What? (laughs) He mainly just wants to talk, not about work, just about random stuff like art or even the weather. He's never touched me or anything like that. He's touched himself a couple times, though. Mom. It's, I've looked into it. It's called exhibitionism. I, I don't understand it, and I think it's gross, but like I said, he's never touched me, and he's never asked me to touch him. Mom, listen. Save it, Alyssa. This is the real world, not sociology class. Life isn't all roses and poetry. Yes, this is the real world, and that kind of thing is illegal in the real world. I've never told him to stop doing it. Fine, then it might not be illegal, but it's grotesque and offensive. He gets off on making you feel uncomfortable and violated, and he should be fired. Maybe he should. But I'm tough enough to handle it, and if he thinks he's going to make me blink, he's sorely mistaken. Is Grace tough enough to handle it? How about every intern my age that comes through this place? They've got a lot less power than you, and they... I've never heard anything like... Do you think other people know what he puts you through? No. Silence for a moment. Mom, he's a predator. Men like him victimize everyone they have power over. You're right. You're tough. You're the only one tough enough to put a stop to this. Sally considers this. As you get older, you learn it's better just not to make waves. It's just easier that way. Alyssa begins to react. I know it's not what you want to hear, but it's the... She opens the door. Alyssa opens her door and begins to step out. Fine. If you're not going to handle this, I will. Stop. I'm not stopping until somebody lets this prick know the jig is up. Okay, okay. Just get back in the car. I'll go. Sally gets out of the car and walks away. Interior Sally's SUV. A little time has passed. Alyssa is absentmindedly strolling through her phone. Sally opens the door and gets in. She picks up the keys, starts the ignition, and is stoic. Well, what happened? Sally puts her car in reverse, backs up, and begins driving, still stoic. That was... Amazing. Sally is beaming. She's excited for Alyssa to be proud of her. Well, tell me. He cried and apologized profusely. He promised it would never happen again to me or any woman at the station. Holy crap, Mr. Bikeshot folded like a cheap suit. He was literally on his knees begging me for a chance to redeem himself. Go, Mom, you see? You see? I see! God, you're a bad, bad woman, Sally Pierce. Oh, I'm bad, all right. Nobody but nobody fucks with Sally motherfucking Pierce. Okay, let's not go crazy here with that language, please. (laughs) I love you, and I'm proud of you. I love you, too. And thank you. Interior Burt's Corvette Day. Burt and Jennifer sit silently driving in the car. So you just... Yep. In the bathroom. Yep. You weren't in there very long. You and him appear to suffer from the same inability to last long enough to please a woman. 
Well, I mean, he was probably pretty excited. I mean, it was out of left field. Really defending the guy I just cheated on your daughter with? Do you cheat on her a lot? Do you try and kiss her girlfriends a lot? No. Interior Sally's SUV day. Sally and Alyssa are driving in the car. I have a few things to do around the house. Can you drop me off at home and take the car to get your brother and sisters? Sure. Mom? Yes? It makes me sad that you think your success is responsible for your and dad's problems. I don't think that's it at all. I do think that he feels a little lost now, though. Like he has nothing to contribute. Yeah. So maybe just consider giving him small projects. You know, things he can do and feel proud of. Nothing huge, just stuff that will make him feel like he's contributing. That's a really good idea, sweetie. They share a loving smile. Exterior Pierce House Day. Sally's SUV pulls into the driveway. Moments later, Bert's Corvette pulls in next to it from the opposite direction. Everyone gets out of their respective doors. Alyssa walks around the hood of the SUV towards the driver's side door. I'm going to take Mom's car and pick everyone up from school. You want to come? Nah, I'm just going to grab a nap. Just really maximizing your relaxation, huh? Stockpile and sleep for when we get back to Cambridge. Uh, I'll go with you. Bert, honey, I was hoping we could talk. Uh, how about later? I-, I never get to see Alley Cat. Sally and Alyssa exchange a look of disappointment. <clears throat> oh, okay. You- you're right. Alyssa jumps in the driver's seat of the SUV, and Bert opens the passenger side door as Allie and Jennifer walk towards the house. Interior appears house day. Sally walks into the house, followed by Jennifer. Sally hangs her purse on a hook and is about to head into the kitchen. Thanks for breakfast this morning. That was lovely. Sally is surprised by Jennifer's newfound manners. Oh, well, it was my pleasure. I'm glad you enjoyed it. If you have a sec, can you take a look at the fan in my room? I couldn't get it to work last night. Oh, sure. That little bugger can be finicky. I hope you were able to sleep. Oh, yeah, I was just a little warm. They head up the stairs. Interior Pierce House upstairs hallway. Sally walks into the guest room. I see the problem already. The wrong little cord is pulled. Jennifer slams the door behind her, grabs a decorative chair from the hallway, places it with its back against the door, and sits on it. The doorknob turns violently, and we see the door bouncing as Sally tries to push it open. What in the world? What is this? We hear banging on the door and see more bouncing. Interior guest room. Sally's at the door, turning the knob and pushing with her shoulders and hands. For your own good, Sally. Just do what I say. Imprisoning me, my own home, is for my own good? Trust me. I'm going to help you. I need you to calm down for a minute and listen to me. Are you calm? Sally finally stops banging. Fine. Yes, I'm calm. You don't sound calm. I am calm. I need you to relax. Take a nice big yoga breath like this. Jennifer demonstrates a yoga breath and Ah, Sally follows suit. Atta girl. Now listen. Go over to the bed. There's a box on the pillow. Open it up I left you a little something for you in there. Sally walks over to the bed and slowly lifts the top of the box. Nestled inside is a shiny dildo. (laughs) Ew! Ew! What is this doing in my house? It was a little going to Missouri for the first time gift for myself to myself. But don't worry, I haven't used it yet. You get to take it on its maiden voyage. (laughs) Interior hallway. Which is funny because... It'll be your maiden voice, too. <laughs> Interior guest room. Sally runs to the door and starts banging on it again. Let me out of here, you little monster. Sally, this is for your own good. You know why Catholic priests prey on young boys? It ain't because they're sexually fulfilled. Repression has side effects. Grave, horrible side effects. So what? You're just going to keep me prisoner until I use that, that, that thing? Yep. <laughs> well... 
I'm not going to do it. Better get comfortable then. You're going to be in there a while. Interior guest room. Sally walks over to the bed and sits down in a huff, arms crossed. Exterior street day. We see, Allie, we see Sally's SUV driving down the street. Interior Sally's SUV. Alyssa and Bert sit in silence as she drives. Alyssa suddenly turns the wheel to the right. The SUV pulls over to the side of the road. And why'd you stop? You said you wanted to spend time with me, but we're just driving around in silence. I'm sorry. <clears throat> not feeling chatty, I guess. Dad, you can't send me a letter like that and then just shut down. It's not fair. I told you, Allie. I was just having a crappy day. Uh, I wish I wouldn't send it in the first place. Well, you did send it, and I'm here for you, so talk to me. What's there to talk about? Well, for starters, you should know that Mom's not having an affair with Kenny. Oh, really? Then how do you explain the way they act around each other? The constant private meetings in his office, late-night rendezvous is <laughs> I, I think it's just rendezvous when it's plural. <laughs> Whatever. <clears throat> she can't make eye contact with me when he's in the same room. There's an ex- explanation for all of it, and it's all going to stop, I swear. I'm listening. It's not mine to give. I'm sorry. It's okay. It doesn't matter. I know what I've seen. Do you still love her? Of course. Does she know that? Bert shrugs. Dad, you got to make sure she knows you do. How? I don't know. Some sort of grand sweeping gesture. You mean like dinner at TGI Fridays? <laughs> we'll work on it. I, I, I guess first we'll have to make sure she and Jennifer survived being in the house alone together. <laughs> Ain't that true? Sally is still sitting on the bed in the guest room. This is so boring. <laughs> Can I at least have my phone? Jennifer is still sitting in the chair backed up to the door. To look at internet porn? <laughs> no, of course not. Wrong answer. Sally throws her arms up in frustration. Series of shots. Sally strips the sheets from the bed and then makes the bed with sheets from the closet. Sally picks up the crumbled sheets she stripped from the bed and folds them up neatly. Sally bounces a ball against the wall. She tries playing a violin she finds in the closet and is horrible. Sally notices a small CD player. She opens it and sees a CD labeled Fun Mix. She closes it and presses play. Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper comes on and Sally begins bobbing her head up and down and eventually progresses to dancing excitedly. After singing into a pretend microphone, she considers the dildo, then picks it up and begins using it as a microphone. Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bangles is playing now, and Sally's doing an Egyptian pharaoh dance with the dildo balanced vertically on top of her head. Free Bird by Leonard Skinner is playing, and Sally's pretending to play a guitar solo on the dildo. Kung Fu Fighting by Carl Douglas is playing, and Sally's swinging the dildo around in one hand like it's a ninja sword. When a Man Loves a Woman comes on by Percy Sledge is playing, and Sally is slow dancing with the dildo and serenading it. Exterior Pierce House Day. Sally's SUV pulls up and parks in the driveway. Alyssa, Bert, Nathaniel, Bonnie, and Janie get out. Interior guest room. Sally hears the sound of the car door slamming and runs to the window, dildo in hand. Interior interior Pierce house foyer. A key opens the door and Alyssa walks in. Interior guest room. We hear the chair being moved and the door open and the door pulls open sally rushes out dildo in hand interior hallway sally's moving past jennifer ignoring her hey that's mine mom jennifer if i decide to call the police to report you for false imprisonment you can tell them i stole your filthy property and threw it away sally storms (laughs) off interior sally in bert's bedroom sally enters and tosses the dildo in a small empty waste basket Realizing it looks pretty conspicuous, she takes it out and surveys the room. Uh, Sally? Sally quickly pulls some folded laundry from the top of the pile in the basket, puts the dildo on top of the pile, and covers it with the clothes she just removed. Bert walks in, and she spins around, looking guilty of something. He's still wearing his coveralls. Hi. Yes. Uh, What? Uh, I was just thinking to see what you were thinking for dinner tonight. The cavalry's all here. Oh. um, I took a casserole out to thought this morning. I'll throw a salad together in a bit. 
Oh, okay. Uh, how'd it go with Jennifer? What do you mean, how'd it go? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, did, did she say anything? Did she say anything? Bert? Uh, never mind. <laughs> Stupid question. Was she supposed to say something? I was just making small talk. <laughs> Sally looks annoyed, then catches herself. She takes Bert by the hand. Sorry for the interrogation. Why don't you change out of those work clothes and come spend some family time with everyone before dinner? We can play board game. Sally kisses Bert lightly on the mouth. He's completely shocked. It's the kind of kiss happily married couples routinely share. And it's been a while. Sally walks out of the room. Bert watches her go, still stunned. He unzips his coveralls and steps out of them. Now he's wearing a white t-shirt, boxers, and socks. He reaches for the laundry basket and accidentally knocks it over. The dildo falls to the ground with a clank and rolls a foot or so. Bert squats down, picks it up, and stands slowly, studying it with curiosity. What's that, Daddy? Bert... <laughs> Bert looks over to see Janie standing in the doorway. He quickly puts the dildo behind his back. It's uh, one, uh, one of my tools. Why isn't it in your workshop? I accidentally brought it inside. <laughs> it was in my pocket. Why were you looking at it all funny? <laughs> I, was make, uh, I was making sure it was still working. <laughs> Janie considers his answer while Bert braces himself for more questions. Okay. Are you going to come downstairs? Mom said we're going to play board games before dinner and I want to play Monopoly, but Bonnie wants to play Sorry. Sorry, it's so dumb. Okay, honey, I'll be right down. Janie leaves Bert and lets out a sigh of relief. Interior is Sally in Bert's bedroom night. Sally and Bert are in pajamas in front of dual sinks. She's swishing mouthwash and he's brushing his teeth. She spits into the sink. Good night, my love. Sally kisses him on the cheek. Night. Sally walks out of the bathroom and Bert finishes brushing his teeth. Interior, Sally and Bert's bedroom, night. Bert flicks the light off in the bathroom, plunging the bedroom into darkness. We hear him walk across the room and climb into bed. Covers are moved and then we hear kissing noises. What's gotten into you? Do I need a reason to make love to my wife? No, sir. More kissing sounds. Oh, Bert. Oh, oh. Mm. More kissing sounds. Oh, yes, that's... Wait. Bert, what is that? You know what that is. But that's not for... I was going to throw it away. Just go with it, baby. It can help do things I can't. It can help me. I don't know. <laughs> More kissing sounds? Just relax. Oh, oh, Bert. Bert! <laughs> Interior Sally and Bert's bedroom <laughs> night. We can see Sally and Bert holding each other in the darkened room. Bert, that was... Wow. Just... Wow. So, so it happened? Yes. Couldn't you tell? Oh, I mean, I thought so. I just wasn't sure. There have been many times I thought, maybe. Why didn't you ask? Because I was pretty sure I knew the answer. <laughs> oh. Why didn't you ever say anything? Because you were trying so hard. <laughs> I didn't want you to beat yourself up. Beating myself up for 20 years. Oh, Bert. I'm so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. Don't be. If you're okay with it, I, I was thinking we could, you know, keep, uh... I don't know. It It feels wrong, but... But, but I... nothing. You deserve this. Regularly. <laughs> this is the greatest night of our life. <laughs> well, after the wedding. And when the girls were born. But definitely ranked higher than Nathaniel. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. You're terrible. They both laugh. So? I'm open to talking about it. Let's get some sleep, though. It's way past our bedtime. 
Okay. Uh, I'm just going to hop on the computer and check my fantasy baseball lineup real quick. Come on, Bert. After what just happened, you're thinking about fantasy baseball? I know, I know, but it's the playoffs, and, and I'm playing Kenny. Take this son of a gun down. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. I'll be back quicker than you can say, Mookie Betts. Bert gets out of bed, pulls on some clothes, and walks to the door. Hey, Bert. Yes, Sweets? I was thinking you're always talking about the stock market. Maybe you could invest some money. See how it goes. Really? Yeah. Awesome, baby. Thank you. I'm going to make you so proud. I believe in you. Bert gives her a thumbs up and walks out. Sally smiles, proud of herself, and genuinely happy. Interior Pierce House computer room night. Bert is sitting in front of the computer in a darkened room trying to find the perfect investment. Series of shots. Computer screen. The mouse hovers hovers over a button to buy stock in Apple. Bert's disappointed. Too late. Damn. Wish I could have gotten in on this last year. Computer screen. The dot-com craze is back. Invest here for a huge return. Bert considers it, but shakes his head. On the screen, we see the words, Robots, Inc. This year's can't-miss stock. Bert, skeptical. I don't know. Robots are scary. Pass. <laughs> Computer screen. A conservative fund with a modest but proven return on your investment. Boring. Computer screen. Invest in kale. Bert shakes his head no adamantly. Mm-hmm. Computer screen. Technology. Computer screen. Entertainment. Computer screen. Commodities. Bert has his face in his hands in frustration. Then something on the screen catches his eye through his fingers. On the screen, a unique and exciting opportunity. Bert is intrigued. He slowly moves the mouse. On the screen, get in on the ground floor. The computer has Bert's attention now. Computer screen, initial public offering. Initial public offering. Computer screen, thousands of satisfied customers can't be wrong. Bert is super into it and nodding in agreement. Computer screen, the mouse hovers over a button to complete transaction. Bert sits tall and nobly, looking like a man ready to conquer the world. Let's do this. He clicks the mouse. Interior Pierce House Kitchen Day. Breakfast is in full swing. Sally is manning the stove. Alyssa, Jennifer, Bonnie, and Janie are eating at the table. And Nathaniel is standing and attempting to tie a bow tie. Your flight's at 11? Yep. Okay, I think Daddy's gonna give, uh, going to do the school drop-off, and I'll drive you. Uh, by the way, I took your advice and gave him a little project. Great. Just then, Bert walks into the kitchen wearing, button-down and wearing a button-down and slacks. My, don't we look dapper this morning. Everyone, I have an announcement to make. Today is the first day of the rest of our lives. Your mother gave me the green light to invest money in the stock market. Mom, are you sure that's the best idea? Oh my God, shut up, Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been thinking about some possible stocks, dear? Oh, I'm way ahead of you, baby. Everyone stops what they're doing. What? I bought stock last night. Already? In in what? Bert looks around, not wanting to say it. In what, Bert? Bert makes a weird head nod towards Bonnie and Janie. What are you doing? What What is that? Is there something wrong with your neck? He gives up. I bought stock in D- D-I-L-D-O-S. Sally begins to speak, and Janie overlaps from Ken. They can spell! What I deal, those? What? Nothing. Never mind, honey. Is that what you had in your room last night? So that's where it is. What? Oh, my word. Can I ask an obvious question here? That... How does one invest in dildos? Well, there's an exciting new company with all kinds of crazy designs, and their IPO is hitting the market this morning. Bert, how much money did you invest in this garbage? Garbage? You didn't think dildos were garbage last night, let me tell you. (laughs) Deafening, painful silence in the room. Bert, how much? All of it. All of it? 
fortune favors the bold, baby. All of it? It's a winner, trust me. Everyone looks panicked. Sally is fuming. <coughs> when you say all of it, what do you mean exactly? Everything in the joint account. Everything in the joint checking account? Bert looks at his shoes. <laughs> Everything in our savings accounts? Our, our college savings? Our retirement savings? Yeah. You put all of it into dildos. <laughs> Sally picks up a banana from the fruit bowl. Do you know what this is, Bert? That's a banana. Yes, it's a banana. Do you know what else it is? Uh, fruit. It's a fucking dildo. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess you're right. I, know, I never thought of it like that. Do you see why that's a problem for us? Because I should have invested in bananas. Sally throws the <laughs> banana at him. Because dildos aren't worth dick. Do I need to get a carrot out of the fridge to explain it to you? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, the, the IPO goes to market today. It, yeah. And the opening bell has rung. That means you didn't buy anything yet. You just made a request to buy the stock. Nathaniel looks at the clock. It's 827. We've got three minutes to cancel the request. Nathan pulls out a laptop out of his backpack and flips it open on the counter. What's your username? Password? Now, just hold on. Give him your username and password now. Username Dildo Ninja sixty nine and the password is Mookie Bates. <laughs> Nathaniel plugs the info in. Hmm. Nope, it's too late to cancel online. We have to call. Nathaniel pulls out his cell phone and dials a number. He reads off the laptop. He puts the phone on speaker. Thank you for calling Stocks.com. To continue in English, press one. Nathaniel presses one. Please listen to the following menu options. Operator. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Operator. Speak clearly, please. Operator! You sound distressed. If you require medical assistance, press... Operator! A request for an ambulance to your address has been placed. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. The line goes dead. We hear the opening bell ring on CNBC, and trading begins. Analysts talk stocks in the background. Call back! Call back! Nathaniel dials again. Wow, in a rapid correction, it would appear that one of today's IPOs, Erotic Equipment Incorporated, trading under the EEI symbol, was vastly overvalued. Its stock price has already plummeted to pennies on the dollar. Everyone is in complete shock. Nathaniel hangs up the cell phone. Bert hangs his head in shame. After a beat, the house phone rings. It rings three times without anyone moving. And then Sally runs over and quickly hits the speaker phone button. Hello, Pierce resident. Sally, uh, it's Kenny. I've got a... The station's attorney, Carl Anderson, on the line. Say hello, Carl. Hello, Sally. I'm calling to inform you that, effective immediately, your employment with AMRC has been terminated. Your decision to promote homosexual behavior on the show without prior approval has been deemed to be in a violation of the moral clause of our contract. You can collect whatever personal effects you have at the station and at the time that is convenient for you. Oh, and tell Bert he's going down hard in fantasy baseball this week. <laughs> Ciao. We hear a click and the line goes dead. No one speaks for a few beats. Sally points menacingly at Alyssa. You. This is all your fault. My fault. You rolled into town from your elitist school with your lofty ideas and your wicked snarky girlfriend. You look down your nose at your family. You can condescended to me left and right. You chose my show to make your little alternative lifestyle announcement to the world, and then you proceeded to dispense horrible advice throughout about anything and everything that caught your fancy, and I, like a dingbat, took it. 
confront your <coughs> boss, Mom. Why not? Girl power. Give Dad some responsibility. What's the worst that can happen? Well, I hope you're happy with yourself. You've single-handedly destroyed this family. Alyssa begins to cry and then runs out of the kitchen. A couple of beats pass. So, can we still get that ride to the airport? Or should I call a cab? <laughs> Nobody responds or even looks to her. Cab. Right, I'll call a cab. Interior, Alyssa's room, day. Alyssa is sitting on her bed against the headboard with her knees pulled up to her chest. Jennifer is standing, her packed bag next to her. What do you mean you're not coming back? You're broke. Didn't they already pay for the semester? I'm just going to request a prorated refund. Oh, come on. This isn't your fault. It's those idiots. You shouldn't have to suffer. Come back with me. Finish the semester and apply for scholarships and financial aid. Don't call them idiots. Look, if you're stressing the money, then don't. I'll hit my parents up. I'm sure I can get them to chip in. They love a sob story. You don't get it. No, I don't. But... You can explain it on the plane over cocktails. I can't go back right now. I can't abandon them. Well, it's them or me. Well, that's not fair. I don't do long distance. We'll make it work. It sounds like you made your choice. Jennifer walks out with her bag. Alyssa follows a few moments later. Interior Pierce House foyer, day. Jennifer walks down the stairs, bag in hand, and the Pierce family walks into the shot. I can give you a ride, Jennifer. Jesus Christ, get over yourself, lady. You're not perfect. It's okay to not do favors for people you don't like when you're in the middle of your life falling apart. You're right. She's not perfect. We see Alyssa on the stairs. But she's a good person. Ugh, spare me. Which is more than I can say for you. Tell you what. When she sets you up with that conversion therapy to pray the gay away, you give me a call and tell me again how great of a person she is. The taxi honks outside. Jennifer opens the door to leave and then turns back to them. Oh, by the way, Bert tried to make out with me. You people are totally fucked in the head, you know that? Jennifer leaves and the Pierce family stands in quiet sadness, feeling decimated by this turn of events. Words on screen, six months later. Interior small apartment day. The Pierce family is living in the same small apartment from the beginning of the film. Bert is, looked, Bert is looking through the want ads at the table. Sally is clipping coupons. Alyssa is wearing a, dinner wait, a diner waitress uniform and leafing through a community college brochure. Janie and Bonnie are knitting, and Nathaniel's reading The Art of the Deal by Donald Trump. It's quiet and serene, and we hear each snip of Sally's scissors. They look, at the, they look at each other, surprised by the knock. Interior apartment, hallway, day. We see the door to the Pierce's apartment. It opens. Alyssa is standing inside in her waitress uniform. What are you doing here? We see Jennifer at the door. She's wearing a backpack. Just in the neighborhood. Alyssa is not amused. So, are you seeing anyone? Yes. She's a first-year law student. She's amazing. Well, good. Happy for you. How about you? You know me. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm, which was I, this or that? <laughs> Jennifer laughs. You still got it. My dad told me what happened. Yeah, I, I figured he would. Uh, I'm really sorry. Listen, I know it doesn't like make it okay or anything, but I was in a bad place. I've been seeing a therapist and really working through some stuff. Oh, good. You needed it. I did. So were you going to bite me in? Fine, but... I've got to head out in a bit. One shift. Interior, small apartment. Alyssa and Jennifer walk in. Hello, everyone. <laughs> no one responds. I'd like to apologize for my actions. When you, you saw me last, months of intensive psychotherapy have helped me to realize that you all weren't totally fucked in the head. I was. Still no response. So, you know, don't judge a person by their worst day. Practice forgiveness. 
turn the other cheek and all that, right? That's fine, dear. How's Harvard? It's wonderful. It, it really is. Good. I'm glad you're enjoying it, dear. How are you, Mrs. P? Never better. She says it like she means it, and she does. Do you want to tell us what you're doing here? Okay, uh... So, for my thesis, I'm making a documentary film about conservatives on welfare because, you know, it's like a cute little oxymoron. And I was hoping that I could interview you guys for it. Everyone looks to Sally. Fine by me. We have nothing to hide. Great. Interior apartment. Alyssa sits in a chair speaking to camera, confessional style. She has a small microphone attached to her collar. All of the following scenes are in the same format until otherwise specified. It's been hard, frankly. We're a proud family, and nobody likes having to take handouts. Interior apartment. Janie and Bonnie sit next to each other talking to the camera. I hate being poor. Shut up. We're not poor. Or too. Oh, my God. You're so dramatic. Interior apartment. Have I softened my views on welfare? Honestly, yes. We have been comfortable for so long that I forgot what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. Or maybe I, I never really knew. I still look at when my mom was broke, though. Anyway... <laughs> That little extra bit goes a long way. Continued. I think it's great. Free market capitalism in action. My moronic father made a boneheaded investment and the market punished him accordingly. <laughs> My strong-willed mother had the gall to bite the hand that feeds, off, feeds and mouth off uh, to her boss, and she got her compensance. Uh, continued. I love it. <clears throat> Life is so much simpler without all the stuff. Plus, Sally's got a lot happier now that she doesn't have to watch Kenny pulling pud in front of her all the time. Tiny little ding-dong. Bert imitates Kenny jerking off with his thumb and pointer finger. Continued? Honestly, it'll help me in the long run. Makes my bio that much more compelling. Pulled himself up by his bootstraps out of the Midwestern poverty to become the president of the United <laughs> States. Yeah, not bad, right? Continued? No, not Uber. Boober with the B. Bert unbuttons his shirt to reveal a T-shirt that says Boober on it. <clears throat> Uber wouldn't hire me on account of all the DUIs. <laughs> Continued. Basically, the idea was that they'd <clears throat> have large, uh, large bosom women drive the cars like a Hooters on wheels type of deal. Uh, I was actually going to invest in it in the company back when we had dough. <laughs> Dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> <clears throat> Turned out they couldn't get women to agree to it because they didn't want to be trapped alone in cars driving men who only called for a ride to be with girls. So, uh... Now they hire anybody. No gender discrimination. They provide <clears throat> they provide the cars too. I don't get a lot of fares though, and when I do, it always ends up being dudes who are pissed off I ain't a chick. Continued. I'm completely at peace with it. All of it. Really? So you're not still mad at Alyssa? Oh, heavens no. You know she's still gay, right? Yes. And she has a <laughs> lovely girlfriend whom we adore. Nice Christian girl. Comes to church with us on Sundays. And you recall that Alyssa was basically directly responsible for destroying your career and financial security. She saved us. This is the natural order of things. Bert is the breadwinner. Might not be glamorous, but we're getting by and we're happy. <laughs> Something funny? Oh, just that you think this is the natural order of things. I'm sorry you think that's funny, but it is. Sally, try as you might. You're just not a meek, ineffectual woman. The shot cuts to Jennifer behind her camera set up on a tripod. You're a goddamn lioness queen with a killer instinct. You built an empire on your own out of nothing. Bert's a sweet guy, but he's about as useful as a bucket of chum in a shark-feeding frenzy. Back on Sally. I stand by Bert. We'll figure something out. We always do. 
while you continued to collect government handouts? Didn't you used to rail against those? I was never against the responsible use of the social safety net. I was against people becoming complacent and abusing it. Don't try to paint me as a hypocrite. Noted. Well, guess we're done here. Thank you. Of course. But there is just one more thing. Back on Jennifer. Remember Senator Davidson's bill you lobbed so hard for? This one to limit unemployment benefits for six months? Well, it passed, so... According to my calculations, you're about to be cut off from your responsible, non-complacent use of the social safety net. Back on Sally. I'm so glad to hear it passed. That's great. Has it... Has it really been six months already? Wow, that flew by. I guess we'll just tighten the old belt a couple more notches. We'll make it work. We always do. We're resourceful. Sally trails off and stares past Jennifer and the camera deep in thought. You know what? Excuse me. Sally gets up and takes the microphone off. She walks past Jennifer and we see... We see she the interview was in the we see that the interview was in the corner of a small bedroom. Interior apartment common room. Sally paces around and everyone watches to see what she'll do. Jennifer following followed her in and is still recording, and suddenly Sally stops. Bert, I need a ride to the station. Uh, AMRC? Why? Because I have to get back on the air. Um, you're banned from the station. I read your termination letter. I don't care. I'm going. I'll force my way in if I have to. Well, that's illegal, and I'm not gonna let you. In fact, I'm going to call the police. Nathaniel walks over to a landline. Okay, honey. Interior apartment. Nathaniel's tied up on the floor with duct tape over his mouth. Everyone else is walking out the door. Do the boob mobile. <laughs> Interior apartment parking lot day. Bert's van, which says Boober on the sides and has cartoonish pictures of large-breasted women on it, peels out of the parking lot. Sally, Alyssa, for Je- Sally, Alyssa, Jennifer, Bonnie, and Janie are all in the van. Exterior AMRC radio station day. The van pulls in and parks. Sally hops out and runs into the station. Jennifer follows her, camera in hand. Interior AMRC radio station day. Sally comes through the door and is greeted by Grace. You're not supposed to be here. Jennifer comes in. Oh, and you brought a camera crew. Grace, I'm so sorry you're still strapped here, suffering. You don't deserve to be treated the way he treats women. He's... you wouldn't understand. It's complicated. I understand all too well. Just get me on the air and I'll make it stop. I wish that was true, but no, I can't. Please leave. I don't want any trouble. I need this job. I'm going back. Sally starts to walk toward the hallway with one eye on Grace. You're forcing my hand. Grace makes a move to hit a button on her desk. Grace. She moves closer. Don't do it, Grace. I'm sorry, Sally. Grace hits the button and Sally sprints her sprints past her down the hall. A moment later, Sally sprints back out, a security guard in hot pursuit. Kenny comes into the lobby laughing. As Sally and Jennifer run out the door, he speaks. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Sally. Come back here real soon. Exterior AMRC radio station day. Sally and Jennifer run up to the van and jump in. Interior Bert's van. Okay, plan B. What's plan B? We're going to K-Max. Aren't you banned from that too? <laughs> Kinda. I mean, not officially. K-Max it is. Bert starts driving. Exterior K-Max radio station day. Sally hops out of the van. Wish me luck. Stay here, Jennifer. I don't want to freak him out. The door opens and Sally runs away. Bert speaks after a few beats. <clears throat> Everybody out. We're going in with her. But she just said... Come on. She needs us. Interior K-Max radio station day. Sally runs up to the glass door, stops, takes a deep breath, steadies herself, then enters. A young man, Brad, is working at the front desk. Sally walks up to him confidently. Hello. Brad. I'm Sally Pierce, and I was hoping that... I know who you are, Miss Pierce. I'll, I'll page Mr. Alonzo. Brad picks up his phone and speaks in hushed tones. We can only make out some words. Yes. Sally Pierce. 
I understand. If you won't, uh, of course. He hangs up the phone. Uh, Mr. Alonzo will be right down. Sally nods. Just then, the whole gang walks in. Oh, my. A door opens, and Henry Alonzo walks out. He sees Sally and everyone else. He looks like a slick executive, but we can tell he's a kind man. Sally, I see you brought the whole gang. Emotional support. And what can I do for you today? Henry, I want a job. I want you to put me back on the air. We've been over this. We love you. We love your work, but we just can't do it. You have too much baggage, and the station can't take the risk. Henry, I promise you it will, it'll pay off. I will work my tail off. I'll do promotional work 24-7. I'll bring you listeners you've never had before. I As will- you know, some of my partners requested that any further communications with you be over the phone or email. So with all due respect, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Sally is embarrassed. Her family is crushed, not for themselves, but for her. Henry walks to the door and holds it open. Bert is the first to the door, but suddenly he spins, grabs Henry, turns him around, and presses something into his back. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's got a gun. He's got a gun. screams. Bonnie, Janie, the phone. Bonnie and Janie sprint towards Brad as he reaches for the phone. Bonnie jumps on the phone, and Janie rips the cord out of the wall. Good job, girls. Okay, let's go. Are you getting this, Jennifer? Jennifer is still taping. Oh, I'm getting it. <laughs> Lead the way, suit. <laughs> Just relax, man. Think this through. Plenty of time for that when I'm locked up in the big house. Bert lets out a maniacal laugh. Bert, are you sure this no is... No time to talk, honey. Let's get you on the air. Move. Bert nudges Henry, still restraining him with one arm, and they walk into the hallway. Interior K-Max control room. Henry, then Bert, then Sally, then Jennifer burst through the door. Two texts turn around from the mixing board. Alarm. Just... Just do what they say. (laughs) Through the glass in the recording studio, Tony is stopped talking and is watching. Sally records through the door. Jennifer follows her in, still recording. Interior recording studio. Tony. Sally. I'm so sorry to interrupt your show, but could I have five minutes? It doesn't look like I have much of a choice. Tony nods toward the scene in the control room. But of course. Sorry for the kerfuffle, folks. I hope you're still with me. It's now my great honor to yield the microphone for a few minutes to my one-time slot revival. The great Sally Pierce. Rival. Sally slips on headphones and sits down as Tony steps away. Sally clears her throat, clearly a little nervous. Thanks for that lovely introduction, Tony. You truly are one of the greats. Tony humbly acknowledges the praise with a small head bow. Hi, everyone. Did you miss me? I sure missed you. Series of shots. A woman answers her cell phone and, after saying hello, says she's on the air right now. Oh, says she's on the air right now? K-Max? A hand adjusts a radio dial. A phone receives a text message that reads, Sally Pierce is on K-Max right now. The text is highlighted. Twitter opens on the phone, and the text is pasted and tweeted. Another hand adjusting a radio dial. Another and another. Interior, K-Max recording studio. Sally has her sea legs back. So, what I'd like to do now, if you'll bear with me, is dial Kenny Froman. You probably don't know who Kenny is, so I'll tell you. He was my boss at AMRC for six years until he fired me. Let's see if we can get him on the line. Sally dials and we hear ringing. AMC Radio, may I help you? Hello, Grace. It's Sally Pierce. Long time no see. May I please speak to Kenny? You shouldn't be calling, Sally. You're going to get me in trouble. Grace, would you like it if Kenny stopped taking his clothes off in front of you? Well, of course I would, but that's not the point. The point is... Put the bastard on the phone, Grace. Grace groans. Hold, please. After a moment, we hear Kenny on the line. What is it, Sally? Are you calling the gravel? (laughs) 
far from it. I'm calling to tell you that your behavior was wrong and that I'm going to sue your pants off, which will be a familiar look for you. Interior Kenny's office. Kenny is sitting shirtless behind the desk with the dog collar on. His speakerphone is on. I like to see you try. Interior K-Max recording studio. I'm going to own that station, Kenny. Kenny's office. Here's a newsflash for you, Sally. You never told me to stop, unless you're going to lie about, about it. And we both know you're too goody of a two-shoe to lie. You're not no case. Interior K-Max. But I did tell you to stop. In fact, I told you to cut out your grotesque behavior immediately. Kenny's office. And did the behavior, as you call it, stop after you asked? Grace runs into the office. She says something inaudible to Kenny. I don't give a damn if she's on the air. Well, did it stop? Interior K-Max. Yes, I suppose it did. Then you got no case, kiddo. Although now that I think about it, the very next time we spoke, I was left with that same feeling of disgust, of being demeaned by you. Back to Kenny's office. Oh. Kenny makes a face of disbelief. She's lying and he's going to call her out on it. Oh, come now, Sally. We both know we weren't together the next time we spoke. Don't try and twist history. It was over the phone when I was firing you. Interior K-Max recording studio. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I asked you to stop sexually harassing me, and you fired me the very next day. Good thing for you, that's not illegal. <laughs> Interior Kenny's office, his face panic-stricken. Or is it illegal? Hmm, I guess I had better call my lawyer. Well, well, well hold, hold on now. I, I fired you for a completely different reason, and, and... Kenny, baby, relax. You can tell the judge all about it. Be talking to you real soon. Bye now. She presses a button, and we hear a dial tone. Thanks for listening, and folks, I couldn't have done it without you. Tony, we'll be right back with y'all after a word from K-Max's wonderful sponsors. Sally presses a button, and the ad music comes back on. Phones ring, and the switchboard lights up. Everyone cheers, including Tony and the two techs. Henry doesn't cheer, but he looks amused and impressed. Interior Kenny's office, he sits in shock. I think I'm going to take the rest of the day off. Um... <laughs> You don't mind, do you? I, I just, I've got some celebrating to do. Grace walks to the door and then turns her head slightly as she walks out. Oh, and Kenny, put some fucking clothes on. <laughs> Interior K-Max recording studio. Bert raises both hands in the air triumphantly. You did it, baby. Is that a dildo? <laughs> we see what the gun was. In fact, it was the dildo from earlier, but look, Bert looks embarrassed. How's your stamina in bed, Henry? <sighs> just fine. Why? No reason. Mine, mine's good, too. <laughs> Interior K-Max office day. Some time has passed. Sally is sitting at the table reviewing a contract with Henry and two other executives, one female and one male. Sally signs it. Thanks again for this opportunity. I won't let you down. Yeah, how about you just promise your husband never holds me at gunpoint again, and we'll call it even. <laughs> Everyone laughs. That's a deal. With, with the video of the whole ordeal going viral, we're not too worried about promotion. The fan base should be there from day one. But we do need a name for the show. AMR, AMRC owns the rights to well-behaved women, so that's out. Sally thinks about it. How about just women? Women with Sally Pierce. I love it. Me too. Interior K-Max Recording Studio Day. Sally back on the air. Alyssa is studying at a table. Well, friends, it's about time for me to sign off for the day, but before I do, I want to leave you with some final talks. Well-behaved women seldom make history, or, so you probably read on a bumper sticker, my entire public persona used to be rebellion against that slogan as a proxy for feminism. 
Like many on both the left and the right, I thought those stickers implied that the only way to truly matter is to be remembered, and that to be remembered, a woman must break the rules, make noise, and generally misbehave. That idea was a threat to everything I cared about, to my very identity. Recently, someone far smarter than me taught me that the phrase is much more up for grabs than I ever imagined. Sally and Alyssa share a warm smile. Before it was a bumper sticker, it was but one sentence in a 1976 article about Puritan funeral sermons celebrating the lives of pious women in the 17th century New England. It's a mouthful, I know. If you'll indulge me, I'd like to read you the full quote. Cotton Mather called them the hidden ones. They never preached or sat in a deacon's bench, nor did they vote or attend Harvard. Neither because they were virtuous women. Did they question God or the magistrates? They prayed secretly, read the Bible throughout at least once a year, and went to hear the minister preach even when it snowed. Hoping for an eternal crown, they never asked to be remembered on earth. And they haven't been. Well-behaved women seldom make history. Against Atonimians and witches, these pious matrons have had a little chance at all. When Laurel Thatcher Ulrich wrote those now-famous words, she wasn't criticizing these simple Puritan women for failing to boldly force their way into the history books. She wasn't lamenting the oppressive era in which she found them. She merely sought to give them something she believed they deserved, a historical accountant. Now let me tell you, we women are a force. We are history incarnate. We are the past, present, and future. Some must dream up great inventions. Some must lead powerful nations and giant corporations. Some must write and perform and speak our minds every day more and more up to say no or me too. And a few of us even have the courage to refuse to sit on the back of the bus. That there are some of us who forgo careers and social acclaim and instead pour every drop of life we have into making a home. Now... I happen to think making a home is pretty darn important. But I was told, mainly by men, that feminists thought it was a waste of time and talent. As it turns out, if you talk to actual feminists instead of the men who always seem to speak for them so confidently, you get a totally different perspective. And lately, I've spent a lot of time talking to feminists. Most of you know I recently had a moment of Internet stardom. A lot of women reached out to me. They called me. They wrote me. They emailed me. And I listened to what they had to say. So here's the bottom line. Being a feminist means that you believe a woman is free to be whatever type of woman she chooses to be, to love whomever she chooses to love, to behave or to misbehave as she sees fit, then I guess, I guess, Sally Pierce is a feminist. Oh, my. Can't believe I just said those words. All righty, y'all. I better get out of here before I get myself fired again. Be good, ladies. Or don't. <laughs> the end. All right, guys. As I mentioned, for a number of reasons, our writer has to stay fairly anonymous, but we would still love to have a discussion about this script. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take five, and we'll be back in just a little bit to talk all about well-behaved women.
Alright, folks, welcome back to Dion Produce Table Read here on the Popcorn Talk Network. Um, I mentioned, yes, Woo! such a good yes. I love it. Thanks, Rox. Um, so, I mentioned at the top, guys, our writer, for very good reasons, is wanting to remain a little anonymous. But if you do like what you read, I'll let producers know who are listening how you can connect with me so I can connect you with Kevin, who wrote it. Um, because, just because he wants to remain anonymous doesn't mean he's not interested in getting this material out there. So, Normally, we'd be interviewing our writer at this point, but what I want to do right now is sort of have a discussion around the script because Kevin couldn't be here. And I did submit some questions electronically to Kevin that I'd love to talk about. So I think if anyone wants to start the discussion, we can. I have some talking points that I'd love to address. Maybe that's the best way to start. Before the questions? Um, yeah, or I just th- I think the questions will probably come up organically. So if they do, I'll just let you guys know sort of what Kevin's take was. But um, I think one of the things I'm super interested in is I, I asked Kevin, like, basically, just so you guys know, I found Kevin's work through another script um, that deals with, um, I don't know how much I can say about it, but it's also <laughs> dealing with politics and about clashing ideologies and how people work through differing beliefs, which seems to be a really common through line through all of his work. And one of the things I asked him was, I'm so impressed by how you managed to have all of these clashing viewpoints, but still make these people feel like people. Is that something you guys kind of noticed in the script as we read it? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved all the different perspectives. Um, also, how he just brought so many layers in the story. Um, we dealt with suicide. It was, you know, as you said, political purposes and all that. And I just felt like everything just really came together mm-hmm. uh, in the script. And it was it was fun reading it. Yeah. Usually I feel like when we go through scripts, and especially if they are polarizing in terms of right-wing, left-wing, like this one is with Jennifer representing the left and everybody else representing the right i'm i am like oh well i align where i usually politically align but in this one i feel like he did a really strong job of me being like i actually don't fully agree Mm -hmm. with you jennifer and Mm -hmm. i don't fully agree with you sally but i do partially agree with both of you and that was kind of cool for me yeah because usually it's like so certain to me i'm like well that's the liberal and that's the conservative so you know where i stand and this was like I see what you both are saying, and also you're both dead wrong, and mm-hmm. also completely right. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of why where Sally fell at the end, kind of like she taking on that that viewpoint and like is like, oh, okay, so mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. be kind of both things. Yeah. Right. Balance. There's a balance there. Roxy, can I say that I can totally see you as Jennifer? It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you did a great job reading that. It was hilarious. a little too much truth to me. <laughs> like when you read yourself on paper and you're like, well, that's hard. And you're like, well, but I've said it before. Yeah. So right. gotcha. I will say, I think everyone read very, very well today. I want to commend you guys. I was just saying to Tara, this feels like something that could almost be staged rather mm-hmm. than shot. Mm. Well, because so, um, it's like long scenes. Right. Almost. Yeah. And yeah. there's not that many smart writer, Kevin, for being cheap with the script. Yeah. I don't mean yeah. that in a, a cheap right. to bad word, but I just mean like you could produce this for so inexpensive. Yeah. And Kevin, I will say a lot of good actors here. Just, <laughs> <laughs> make this happen. Just pointing it out. Um, yeah, because there's only there's not that many locations. Yeah. Also, I think we know some people with studio space. Right. Just guessing. Mm-hmm. If you were trying to do a radio show set. It's yeah. <laughs> Whoa. 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 <laughs> Mar producer over here. Thanks, man. I want to jump in and sort of Kevin wrote out sort of the whole I like character versus viewpoint question we brought up at the top. So 
what, what, what Kevin has to say about that is, I'm drawn to writing about clashing ideologies as a reflection of the polarized times in which we live. Many of us interact regularly with folks whom we may disagree with, be they family, friends, or coworkers, or what have you. On the other hand, many of us live with little exposure to people on the other end of the spectrum. Surrounding ourselves with like-minded people and self-curated social media echo chambers that, instead of challenging us and forcing us to work with our to question our own beliefs, serve only to embolden us and harden us against the others. I'm fascinated by the characters both my liberal and conservative friends love. I think this is interesting. Mm-hmm. For example, Jack Donaghy on 30 Rock and Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec. My goal is for Sally and Alyssa to similarly gain fans on both sides. Don't get me wrong, I have a dog in the fight. I'm the kind of guy who listens to conservative talk radio and watches Fox News for the absurdity of it. <laughs> I view it as my way of cutting out the middleman like The Daily Show and going straight to the comedic source material. My wife astutely views it as foolish because it jacks up my own blood pressure and she's not wrong. <laughs> um, the one last thing I think is really interesting about this is he talks about how to write char- characters first with viewpoints second. The real people slash ideological siphons is probably my biggest challenge in writing. Asking me how I avoid characters becoming talking viewpoints is a really great compliment because I've because it implies I've succeeded. I'm really confident that I have. To that end, I spend a lot of time rewriting and refining dialogue, reading it out loud, and always with an eye towards making it feel real, which mm-hmm. I think he succeeded awesome. a lot in. Yeah. Yeah, so this- what do you think you would say then, Jeff, about so you have to write the person prior to their political standpoint? I, yeah, and I would love to like... I know you can't speak for him. Right, but as someone... I mean, all of us are writers, um, and I think... Yeah, I think what he does a good job of is like by grounding this in a family and by making family issues the first thing. Like by having mm-hmm. Bert and Sally's marriage become a central playing ground for viewpoints, for example, that's a smart way to make a really character-driven story allow for viewpoints to come in. Cool. Mm-hmm. Right. I Wh- think. Which character in the script do you guys want to punch in the face most? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the scene. Yeah, you know? it really right? depends. Because at first, like you, you have this you know perception of sally and then it grows throughout the the the, the film and it's like oh i kind of like sally yeah. you know it's like mm-hmm. but i don't know do you just want i mean kenny right like isn't he the nathaniel one actually wants to probably punch? nathaniel bird bird yeah, yeah. Bert. he's trying so hard he, he is and she even admits that but like come on man yeah. <laughs> do better you the whole account <laughs> yeah are you for real yeah i actually agree with kenny a lot no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i see his point of view I thought yeah. I totally thought Bert was gonna like hit it. Dildos yeah. are people buy those. Everyone buys dildos. Still, I thought it was you know? too. I thought, I thought it was gonna be gonna... like the happy yeah. moment. Yeah. I know. Like, ding ding! Like Bert is like a man now. I love that it didn't go that way. Yeah, though, because it's like too fairy tale. And when yeah. you watch that, everybody watches movies about the stock market, and they're like. I could do this. Right. I should just invest everything. Exactly. Right. And like nine out of like 9.1 times. Don't know why I phrased it like that. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you lose everything, everything. Right. if you yeah. do that. So yeah. I, I'm glad that it wasn't like, and he won on dildos. It just didn't seem like the tone of the script. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, because what was really cool about the script is that it was kind of um, – it's like pretty extreme situations, but it is completely grounded in reality by mm-hmm. the viewpoints and the the reality of these people. And like I, I come from a very conservative family growing up, and so hearing Sally and and all of her points and the things that she does, it's like I know that lady, I know that woman that's mm-hmm. just trying to be a good mother, that's just trying to instill values in her and kids, and is a good mother, and is a very good in some mother. Ways. She'll love her kids no matter what. No matter right. what, they're just a little, you know, a little backwards thinking to to people like me. Um, but I just thought that all the viewpoints were were 
portrayed in a very believable sense, and mm-hmm. also uh, he was able to inject the extreme because it was it was just in reality. This mm-hmm. this yeah. is a very real situation. There's so many marriages that are struggling. There's so many right and left in families. You know, there's so much of just like men not knowing what the fuck to do with women. Right, that's a yeah. very real thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. One yeah. of the things we were talking about at the top of the show was the fact that this is a female-driven script written by a man. And I wanted to ask Kevin about that because I know like that can be a scary thing for male writers to approach, just as it might be challenging for female writers to write male-driven scripts. Mm-hmm, sure. And here is his answer. He said, I had a lot of trepidation as a man taking on this female-driven project. At the end of the day, though, if you're going to write, you're going to have to write opposite gender roles. I happen to love writing for women, and like most people, I think that strong female characters are vastly underrepresented. Thinking through that logic made me more comfortable with the idea of undertaking the process, though I was still nervous about it. In terms of considerations I addressed, I tried to step back often and think about what I was writing and really consider how it would sit with women knowing a man wrote it. Look, I'm proud. I'm a proud feminist, but at the end of the day, I'm also a man. There's only so far I can step back because my perspective is inherently skewed and limited based on my life experiences as a man. Realizing this is half the battle, but reaching out and getting feedback from women was really, really important in this process. Mm-hmm. That's like a, I think, a really good way to phrase it. Yeah, that's yeah. very good. <laughs> I was, I was actually thinking that he get any uh, like feedback from other women like while he was writing it, mm-hmm. and he brought up a good point. I mean, at the point. You, at some time, you're going to have to write for women, just like you know, a white male is going to have to write for a black male. Like right. yeah. you're not going to know or exactly, not. or not <laughs> exactly, or yeah. not. Um, but you know, you just you have to open yourself up and just be aware of certain th- certain things. I think what he accomplished best here in this situation that I find a lot of male writers struggle with, and obviously that's a huge generalization, mm-hmm. is making three distinct women. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's really challenging yeah. for men because even if you can conquer a female voice you're like i've got one i got like this is what women sound like right and i feel like sally jennifer and Alyssa all were very Very, different and And, and grace and And grace Grace. yeah Yeah. and grace and that was that was really cool to read because i know like i am appreciative of anybody who tries to make female driven scripts whether they're a man woman or other like Mm -hmm. anybody who's trying that's awesome and then when you are able to give different voices even if there are moments, for anybody speaking, even if there are moments where you're like, is this something a woman would say? As, as long as they're distinct enough from each other, it, it just ask yourself, is this something a person would say? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and be then real. I think that that's cool. So yeah. I think that was a huge accomplishment by Kevin here with mm-hmm. me never wondering. Like, there's never a Sally line. If, you're, if you didn't have your name above, it didn't say Sally on it. Yeah. I would never be like, is this... Is this my line? Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like, because it was not. Very it distinct. Was very, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was totally. listening to an interview. I think it was on NPR. There's a show I like a lot called Pop Culture Happy Hour. And they were talking about how, like, 95% of female descriptions and scripts when their characters are introduced have some kind of appearance-related right. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, this was interesting, actually. I noticed that, Jeff. This just says Jennifer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he doesn't, like, it's so funny because in scripts it'll be like... He's not like 30s with a jacket. She's got long brunette hair. <laughs> right. and, like, they, like, right. have to be like, attractive in some way. It'll be, like, shy uniquely. and quiet, but with a uniquely attractive, yeah. like, yeah, body brimming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, like, despite being a lesbian, she is still attractive to <laughs> even the men around yeah, her. And, like, yeah. it was so God. nice to not have that here. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was definitely nice. Definitely yeah. nice. It wasn't, it wasn't written to cater men. You know, yeah. it was written to cater reality. Yeah. So yeah. Like, and that's cool. Like, I really... You 
usually I'm like, all right, give me a little direction here. But I feel like through his words, he did. I knew she went to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I know what age is she is. The fact that she is bisexuals in the script. So mm-hmm. that gives me enough to go off there. I know that when she goes to Missouri, she's never been before. And it mm-hmm. seems very foreign. So she's probably an East Coast or West Coast girl, a coaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, I didn't need... I read the script. I didn't need you to tell me that she was blonde and skinny and tall or that she was, uh, you know, edgy <laughs> right. looking this or a, like a sexy looking that. Who cares? It leaves space for casting. When, when, yeah. And Definitely. like, I think he's clearly a great dramatic writer because I dialogue, I feel like, is Kevin's forte. And again, there are so many different versions of these women that we could sort of get, but in, they're also so specifically written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think like the best roles are very specific and pop off the page, but also allow a great actor or actress to bring something special, which I think all of you guys did today. So that's like, a, as a writer myself, that's like a huge takeaway for me, I think specifically with this script. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Any other thoughts or ideas about um, well-behaved women before we make our way out? They rarely make history. They, they rarely, they seldom yes. make history. Um, well, Kevin, we thank you for bringing this on and, um, if you guys are interested in this material, especially producers who are listening, I can connect you with this writer. Um, if you want to connect with Kevin and ask him more questions, I can tell you I've read more of his material, and he's consistently a very, very good writer. Um, and I think if you're interested in these themes, he's exploring them a lot. You can reach out to me on Twitter, guys, at Jeffrey C. Graham, and I'll connect you. Um, and before we make our way out, guys, I do want to say something. Um, this script addresses it, and I feel like it needs to be brought up because... For those of you listening today or close to this week, we lost two very beloved and wonderful famous people this week who took their own lives, and this script brings it up as well. And I'm coming up on the one-year anniversary of a friend that I lost to similar circumstances. And I just, I really want to say that um, if if you are a listener right now and you feel like maybe you don't belong here, um, that's a lie, and it's a lie coming from depression. And depression is ruthless, and it's non-discriminatory. And it can be stigmatized, but I don't want it to be that way. Um, a lot of creatives deal with this specifically. Um, so if that's something you're dealing with, um, just don't be afraid to reach out. You can even reach out to me. There's also really wonderful hotlines, guys. I know that this gets said a lot, but it's really important. If it's something where you don't feel like you want to call, you can text hotlines. I'll be honest, I've done that once in my life, and it was really, really important and helpful for me. So just I think it's so I, I want it to be said because we lost two lives this week of really, really wonderful people. And I think that this can affect creatives, especially. And I'm assuming a lot of our audience are that. So if you're feeling like you don't belong, you do and you're loved and reach out for help. I just wanted to say yes. that. Yeah. I agree. Um, okay, guys, we're going to make our way out. Um, but thank you for tuning in. Today we read Well-Behaved Women. Again, if you're interested in connecting with this writer, I can make sure that that happens for you. So reach out to me on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham. We will be back next week with actually another female-driven script. It's awesome. It's called um, Silicon Curve, and it's about women in tech in the 70s. It's really, really wonderful. Awesome. And we will have the writer here in studio, which I'm excited about. Cool. And it's a female. But I guess... Men can also write women, but it is a good <laughs> no way. It will be exciting to have uh, female writing here next week. So, <laughs> thanks, guys. If you want to connect with me online, you can do that at Jeffrey C. Graham. Tara, how about you? Yeah, uh, guys, you can find me at the Tara Erickson on YouTube.com backslash Tara Erickson. And if you guys are in the LA area, come see my plates called Alexa Turnoff Heartbreak Two Woman Dramedy. I think Adrian's at Adrian Snell. Yes. And so that's where she is. I'm at Roxy Stryer. <laughs> 
Hey guys, I'm uh, at I am Danny Royce, and you can also catch me on Wednesdays at um, 13 Reasons Why After Show. Also, we're doing uh, 13 Reasons Why Not, so you can do that hashtag um, 13 mm. Reasons Why You Should Stay Here and You're Loved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm Andrew Guy. You can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. Guys, thanks so much. We'll see you next week here on the Unproduced Table Read. Bye. Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.